So you want to hear the news? What news? Well, you got your good news, you got your bad news. Shoot. Good news is, a couple of days, there's going to be some pride back on the street. Really? Mm-hmm. Who told you that? Angel. Yeah? Yeah, he said Sal to keep some word to the streets to let a couple of keys go for the Christmas season. You know him being a good Christian and all, not by feeding him during the glorious season. Can you believe it? Well, I did. Till I heard the bad news. Yeah? Price is double. Streets trying to get over. That's right. 
Okay, let's get down to it, boppers. Oh, buddies, it's the Ron and Fez Show, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, and the Eagle Flies on Friday, ladies and gentlemen. This is Eastside Dave's one and only drink day. He gets his paycheck, and he's going to just drink that thing away, as will most Americans, I think, today. We'll get this one started for your Ichibans. Ichiban. We go to uh, Josh in Indianapolis. Josh. Yes, sir. Ronnie, good day. First of all, what is the feeling in there in Indianapolis? Is it excitement or is just we expect it to be here, we're calm? We're expected to be here, but we've been getting beat down is all that right? week long by the media who seems to jump on the gangrene bandwagon way too early. Well, uh, first of all, we have uh, two different things. Number one, I don't understand why the Jets are still gangrene. It doesn't make sense. This isn't that team. And two, yeah, I understand that the Colts are the best overall franchise probably in the last 10 years in terms of wins or whatever. But is that really that boring to the media that they need to to go for the underdog this big? Well, I think that uh, you find a, a huge bias with any New York team with the media. Just yeah, that's true. All the media is located at. So they have a, a real love for everyone local there. The but NFL I, Network is replaying uh, Super Bowl three this uh, Saturday night. And who doesn't want to see that, though? That's <laughs> so, fucking great. That's a little bias right there. Well, it's not bias. It's, it's hype, you know. But, again, all the people playing in this game weren't born in Super Bowl three, so I don't see how that's biased. But it is the hype. It is the excitement, and the Jets haven't had it in a long time. But I'm sure that puts a shadow over the people in Indianapolis. Uh, Josh, what bugs you most about this whole thing? Uh, it bugs me most the fact that they're giving so much credit to this Mark Sanchez kid who completes five passes a game, and we have probably the best quarterback, arguably, to ever play. There's no doubt about that. There's no doubt that if you were making a short list of all time, um, you have one. And the, and the single reason for the Colts' success over the past decade all comes back to that quarterback. No I mean, doubt about it. We wouldn't even make the playoffs without him. But he's oh. so uncomfortable looking in the face, and I think that, that <laughs> that's a problem. He's not a pretty man, and he has such a big body. He really is Goliath. He is uh, a tight end passing a, a, a football. He does have a forehead that looks like a big screen television. I can't argue And there's a little bit of drool. But, uh, Josh, this should be exciting for you. You can pick up, and Dave saw this last night in Times Square, you can pick up your Jets championship gear. It's already for sale. Is that right, Dave? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Uh, at the, uh, in the uh, shop there, NFL Shops. Shopsons. Um, the official store of the New York Jets, hawking AFC champs gear. Right. Hats, towels, T-shirts, you name it. They're selling it. Now, Fez, do you see this as a jinx? 
Oh, it's an absolute jinx. I think it's a jinx. Anything Rex Ryan's doing is a jinx. But if I own that store, mm-hmm. I'd absolutely be selling that shit because it's non-refundable. And right. this gives you a chance to get it out on the street. Uh, um, if they don't, uh, if they don't win, uh, Monday is a collector's item. Yeah, or or you just give it to the kids in, in Haiti. Oh yeah, it's Haitian kids wear championship losers. Big that, Jets fans there. Yeah, they always get that. No, shit. they're clothes fans. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's the thing. That was the. <laughs> yeah, he, they're impoverished. Hey, impoverished people. He don't know. <laughs> so, Josh, you feel like uh, you're frustrated about this. I am really excited for Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock. Being that I'm a season ticket holder for the Indianapolis Colts, um, it is going to be an exciting event. I mean, anything can happen in football. We all know that. But if you're going to compare team versus team, they play great defense, but we hear far too much about Revis Island. He's uh, awesome. He's the one guy. I, yeah. That's exactly right. He's a one-man show there. And while he can play great pass coverage, Peyton Manning can also throw balls in the tight coverage. I will. I'll, I'll, I'll say this: It's really, really. Uh, it, it's hard to even visualize the Colts losing this game. But here is the number one Jets fan, uh, the blowhard. Blowhard. Well, first of all, let's get things straight. Uh, that team belongs in Baltimore. There is a. Barry Levinson. Baltimore team. The poor people of Baltimore were abandoned in the three hours of the morning. <laughs> Indianapolis is not a major league city. It never has been. And just in the spirit of 1969, with Joe Willie, Emerson Boozer, and the rest. Wait a minute. Are you you're saying Indianapolis is not a major league town? I don't believe so. It's the 11th largest city in the country. Well, how many other pro teams do you have? We have the Pacers. Pacers are a great organization, yeah. Blowhard. Oh, they're incredible. Yeah, they were just ABA leftovers. <laughs> you got auto racing where people drive around in a circle at Indiana. It's world let's famous. Go, let's it go watch some racing. The bottom line is that team belongs in Baltimore, and, and the New York Jets are going to take you guys losses, back. Eight straight losses by the, the city that was left in the dust for a better place to be. No one wants to live in Baltimore. But you don't play football. You play in a dome. It's like a pinball game. It's like Madden football. Get out in the elements. Play real football. That's why Manning's so good, because he doesn't have to deal with wind and rain and snow like real men. After this Sunday, you won't be playing football at all in New York. Uh, oh, no. Blowhard, the only uh, time he won the Super Bowl was in a pouring rain. <laughs> exactly. exactly. doesn't matter. The bottom line <laughs> is, point against is you. Story. we are the team of God. We are the team of destiny. Wow, I didn't know that. Because That's good. The way that you have all the stars are aligned, when we have kickers missing kicks, we have a team that has a rookie coach, a rookie quarterback, and even better, our, one of our best defensive players is out, Chris Jenkins, and one of our best offensive players is out. So, what are you going to do? You, this is just year you can make the playoffs. Maybe yeah, right. You'll make the playoffs. All I know is we've made the playoffs the last eight years out of nine. And how many Super Bowls did you win? One. How many has the Jets won? In one. We're even. <laughs> nice. We're tied, my friend. Level playing field. You've been around for forty-five years, though. Exactly. It doesn't matter. It does matter. Win. The Jets revolutionized pro football. I, Joe Willie revolutionized the game. I, uh, I don't think so. Post-game interviews by his tongue bath 
of the ESPN female reporter. Uh, that's even that makes him even cooler. And why it worked for me? I got news for you. I love that. That was that's for sure. That was my favorite football moment of the past decade. Well, it was uh, it was Susie Colbert's favorite moment. Uh, absolutely. All right, let's go over. This is the Jets rally last night, and Eastside Dave was in the middle of the rally wearing a New York cap, but the wrong one. You're wearing a Giants cap there, and uh, this is on Dave's Twitio, uh, which you kind of need to see. But we'll play it. We'll play the audio for you anyway. There's uh, Dave being yelled at by uh, Jets fans. And he's only lucky he didn't get beat up. He's lucky it was a mile. Uh, those guys wouldn't come near me. I kept that Giants hat on for 25 minutes. And then you went around and interviewed every retarded person you could possibly <laughs> find. Well, I, R R Ronnie, trust me, that was every Jets fan. Um, you get a good sampling in Times Square, Dave. Six of them. Yeah. What are you talking about? All these people were from New York, uh, Blowhard. In fact, two of the guys were from Brooklyn. I all right, jo Josh, thanks for being on, buddy. We'll talk to you Monday after right, the game. No and I will predict, B, that the Jets will win this game by one point. One point. Wow, I can't wait for this game. One point. Why Take nothing. the points. <laughs> Take the Jets are going to shock the world. The Jets are going to shock the world. All right, uh, blow our best of luck to you, pal. And happy birthday to you, too, oh, my friend. Thank you very much. I'll, uh, we'll also talk to you on Monday. And uh, see how the Jets fans are feeling. But the excitement is there for Fez Watley. Oh, yeah. Mr. Doom and Gloom to say that the excitement isn't there. Uh, I'm just not understanding it. Here's Sean. Sean in North Carolina. Hey, boys. Uh, Blowhart talking about the damn Jets being real men playing in the weather. i tell you what. We'll bring the Colts up there and play in Jets Stadium. Oh, wait a minute. I mean Giant Stadium. And That's... still kick your ass. And... If if you change the game, people will go crazy. If you really want to give up home field advantage, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> that would be a good idea. Yeah. But the thing is, this is my point about the Jets' cockiness. You're going to shit talk Peyton Manning. We've talked about this before. Don't start now saying Peyton Manning sucks or he's only a winner because he's in a dome. Like right. that's not intelligent sports fan talk. Right. I mean, I'm all for hating Peyton Manning just because of the fact I'm that cool with that he's uh, just like Eli. Uh, you know, I think if we all had Archie Manning for a dad, we'd be better off. <laughs> but, but the guy's unbelievable. He is a magnificent court. He's in the top three. It's Montana, Peyton Manning, and Unitas. That's it right now. That's, That's the only three. three. That's your top right, three. I've got to call Bart Starr and tell him <laughs> the bad news and also get back to Y.A. Tittle. <laughs> Poor old Y.A. Is there another name in there, Fez, that you would throw in to the short list? I mean, you might want to put Favre in there. He goes back and forth on the Favre. <laughs> he hates him or loves him. I wouldn't put Favre in. The inconsistency of Fez Watley, I no longer can even understand <laughs> it. Now, I'll tell you a person who is a gigantic uh, Favre fan, and that is the artist formerly and now currently known as Prince, who uh, you saw him at the game last week, and Prince, who to me is the only person other than Bob Dylan I'll give a fucking... 
I'll give a pass to for complete weir- uh, weirdness, you okay. know? Yeah. What uh, Jimmy has to do for Ozzy, I will do for Prince and Dylan. <laughs> like, well, whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> right. So Prince has cut. Is it Was the song already done by the Vikings? Is it already their fight song? I think so, and then he redid it. So this is Prince, Mr. Football, 105 pounds of screaming steel and sex appeal with two awful hips. <laughs> Here's Prince promoting the Minnesota Vikings. Crazy. How can you not love it? It's Prince uh, loving the purple and gold. Loving the purple and gold. See, I was going for the Saints just on sentimentality, but I can't stand that little man crying. I saw what happened when his parents were fighting in Purple Rain. It was too much for me to bear. He he, he is a football fan. He so is. Funk it, like... Well, everybody in Minnesota is. And this guy, you, you, he's never been to Minneapolis. You would think that's a place to be from. Much like uh, Dylan couldn't wait to get out of Minnesota, yeah. Prince stayed. Good for all, him. Fall the pub. It, like, all he thought is, let's take it up higher. Like <laughs> every other fucking song that he has. And put a little electronic stuff behind it. And if we're going to be totally honest about this, the all-time greatest fucking halftime was Prince doing Purple Rain in the rain. That was good. Period. Well, I mean, what, you didn't like Bruce dancing with the referee? Um, Cute. Adorable, but Prince in the rain playing Purple Rain, I think it was bigger than any other Super Bowl moment. And yes, I'm looking at you, Joe Namath, when you go running off the field with your one in the hand. I'd rather Prince, I want a Prince just to play all through the second half and fuck this stupid game. <laughs> that was sensational. You too was re- really good. When they, after 9 11, the, where the streets have no name and then all the names. Yeah, that was fun. Who needs to be that depressed in the middle of the game? And then it didn't, and then they have the things fall yeah. and they hadn't even put the names down. That was too much. Huh. It was a little too much, you two. <laughs> uh, Brian in New Jersey, you're on Run a Fez. Yeah, you know what? I hate Jets fans. I'm a huge Giants fan. Davey, what you did was great because, you know, when we were, when we were making that run, we were up against. We were the underdog every time, and we were quiet. We thought we were going to lose, and that's why we yeah. won. It's really the case, though. So there's more class to the Giants fans? There is 100% more class. When Ron was talking to me and former producer, I believe Pitsy, we were like, you know, Brady's the man. Brady fucking rocks. Yeah. It's going to be the Giants have to play. It was. I remember saying to you, it's Villanova-Georgetown. Giants right. have to play the perfect game. Odds of that happening are slim and none, but, you know, who who knows? And then you guys were beyond tense, and then I would just take a football, roll it on the ground, and have you guys go for the fumble. <laughs> that was good. Cause it Skinning relieved. your elbows and knees. <laughs> it relieved a lot of tension. Well, God bless you. And I, I won the, the fumble challenge, by the way. It was like I bl- obliterated everyone else. Well, Pitsy didn't want it. 
there's some guys, you know, they like the idea of the ball, but they're not willing to go in the bottom of that pile and fight for it. <laughs> yeah. You were, Dave. You got you got you got you got to get dirty in football. By the way, that Twitio last night, the first one, not the other four, but that first one is why you should be the Shorty Award winner. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, you can vote for me at shortyawards.com slash RF Eastside Dave. And then you also have links on your uh, Twitter page. and yeah, I, I vote for my... I think if you vote for the... if you, Not I think, I know. If you vote for the person, it automatically tweets to your page. So I voted for myself last night, and then it automatically made it a tweet on my Twitter account. All right, so everybody get out there and vote for Dave. He needs to be in the top five, and then he can say to himself... I've won a shorty award. Yeah, I'm doing extremely well right now, so I have all I the know. fans to thank. I've I, the last time I checked, it was like 550, mm. and the llama had like 270. So I'm the doubling llama up. blows. Uh, the llama does blow. And I'm going to spend the time over the weekend because you should be able to wrap up top five, no problem. I'm going to go out and check out these other people. Yeah, thank because you. Because I, I went to the llamas page and I'm like, what a waste of fucking time. It wasn't good. I, I've done the same thing. I actually have looked at my competitors and I don't find them to be weird at all. I don't think I even have to look at the other competitors to know that you're weirder. Yeah. No, thank you, Fez. I appreciate that. I don't know if you meant it that way. Well, in this context, I appreciate it. All right. Big, big football weekend. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, when we are back here on Monday, we will know who the Super Bowl teams are, and I'll make the announcement. I will make the announcement of who the two Super Bowl teams are and the city that the game will be held in. So you won't even have to worry about that. Awesome. I'm going to be listening. Yeah, Monday it drops, ladies and gentlemen. It's a major, major announcement on the Ron Fez show. I'm going to give you the AFC champion along with the NFC champion and then the uh, date and a uh, place good of Super Bowl. We try to be uh, full service for you. We try to take care of everything. I wouldn't mind Blowhard got a nice birthday present though and had his Jets win. That would be nice for him. I would mind. I would mind. All this crowing is just over the top. More than you can take, huh? It's just uh, unbearable at this point. It's enough's enough. Have some humility. Is, Every single day we have a guarantee from another guy. Is this how you have to deal with your brother's success the same way? Very similar. Yeah. So Guaranteed. it's not so much that you do well, it's right. that other people do poorly. Can't stand it, yeah. I was published. Uh, I was, yeah, critically hailed. I got a six-figure job. I'm the uh, director of the Telluride Film Festival. Thank you, and thank you, and thank you. And nothing works for you. Well, nothing in your life is working. Well, I'm nominated for a Shorty Award, aren't I? <sighs> I guess you're right. See? But again, now who's bragging? <laughs> now who's out there just living large? Uh, here's a young lady from Louisiana wants to talk about her Saints. Hi, Nicole. Hello, guys. How are y'all? What part of Louisiana are you from? I'm actually from Mansur, Louisiana, which is a Vols parish. We're about three hours from New Orleans. So three hours, but you live and die with these Saints. Yes. Very much so. And I have to say that, I don't know if y'all know the story, but a long time ago, um, fans would actually go to the games with paper bags on their heads. Yeah, we're all very familiar with that. <laughs> they were. Yeah. And we've all gotten rid of our bags. We have to, have to time to get rid of them. Well, you fill them with sand and put them around your house. Uh, Nicole, <laughs> yeah. I will say this. There is, out of the four teams... Nothing comes as close to being football crazy as what New Orleans is right now. I mean, the people right. are just insane for it. Exactly. It, it's ma ready. it makes me want to see them win. 
They've been sued through. I hope so. Yeah. Uh, you are what I call old Haiti. <laughs> or Haiti is New New Orleans. <laughs> right. Uh, if the team loses, does the state just sink into the marshes <laughs> at the end of it? No, no, I don't think so. They have surprised us this whole season, and we love them, and we're just proud of them, even though they don't make it to the Super Bowl. But Lord, do we hope they do. <laughs> Nicole, what are you going to be eating during the game? What, 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 what kind of? I'll be at home watching it. Well, you make some kind of crazy Cajun thing. Are you eating gators and frogs and no. shit. No. <laughs> No, it's just going to be me and my husband at home watching the game with the kids running around. And that, uh, aren't you worried that the kids will fall off the houseboat? <laughs> no. All right. Well, We're you be, up here. All right. You be careful and, okay. uh, you know, not too much voodoo. All right? Okay. Okay. I'll easy, try not to. Easy on the uh, voodoo. You know, Pat Robertson is right. The last two major disasters like that. Is, are you having a heart attack? Is he rubbing your arm? No, I had an itch. Okay. He's rubbing his arm like... This is it. This is the big one. Um, the last two places that we've had the big national natural disasters, Voodoo Central, both of them. Uh, Carlin, Ohio, you're on Manifest. Hey, I got the game of the century for you guys. Sure. My dad, Easy Ed, is going up against the big C cancer. It's late in the fourth quarter. Cancer's a little bit ahead, but he is going to kick fucking cancer's ass. Well, best of luck with that. Give uh, Easy Ed our, our best. Okay, buddy? Thanks, brothers. Be cool. All right, peace. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Here's Jay in Indianapolis. Hey, what's up, buddy? Yeah. Hey, uh, I got a spot report for you guys. What do you got I, for me, my friend? Hey, I heard that uh, Jets are signing an upcoming new rookie to uh, back up old Mark Sanchez there called Vinny Testavarty. Oh, talk about voodoo. Talk about bad juju of any test severity. Why would they? No, that's not good. I know that they want a like an older QB to be his mentor, quote unquote. Uh, well, don't don't have it be that colorblind motherfucker. Uh, not unless now, you want to mentor the guy to interceptions. You know, the only way of any test severity could have made it is Steve Martin, the man with two brains. <laughs> he just needed a brain transplant <laughs> into that body, which worked fine, but he had the fucking head. Of a fucking retarded waterhead. Yeah, he was... It was the saddest thing that ever happened. Yeah, and, well, anytime they, they say that an athlete has great in instincts, yeah. it means they can't think. It just means that they just play on only their talent. And he had a great arm, but... He had a great arm, but he had no idea where it was going to go. He no. was as surprised as he anyone. He just could not see coverage at all. And then a lot of times, even when he would throw a pick, he'd yell out, somebody caught it. And he'd be so excited <laughs> there for a second. All right, it's one thing to sit around and... Uh, for us to talk football, but let's talk to an expert, a former Super Bowl coach, and of course, Colts uh, coach of the Colts, uh, the great Tony Dungy. A look at the NFL with Tony Dungy. This is Tony Dungy with a preview of this weekend's NFL championship game. Could you get a little closer to the mic, Tony? Thanks. Uh, Jets fans are really fired up. I guess their enthusiasm is contagious. They've even got me screaming. Just listen to me. It's like I'm going out of my mind. The Jets had their big pep rally in Times Square yesterday. It was nuts out there. I couldn't even hear myself speak. I felt like I was shouting just to be heard. The Jets will be facing the Indianapolis Colts in the AFC Championship game. They're going to have to deal with how loud it gets in that dome. Trust me, I know. I coached in that dome for years. 
a lot of times it was like the players couldn't even hear me talking. And trust me, I'm pretty much in your face when I'm coaching. There were plenty of times when I lost my voice altogether just from getting so loud. Peyton Manning's gonna have to face the Jets' defense. It's gonna be tough. Sometimes I would have to scream at Peyton. I'd, I'd yell things like, Come on, Peyton. Or, Let's go, Peyton. Give it all you got. Sometimes yelling can be very motivating. A little louder, please, Tony. Thanks. In the NFC Championship game, it's the Minnesota Vikings visiting the New Orleans Saints in the Superdome. Again, crowd noise is really going to play into this, and that's how I like it. Loud. Really, really loud. This could end up being a real shootout between two great quarterbacks. There's going to be plenty to shout about. I feel like I'm shouting already. It's going to be a great matchup. I'm going insane already thinking about it. And I think this is the same cheer to go to the Super Bowl. And then you're really going to hear me yelling and cheering. I'm getting too excited about this. I really need to calm down and just chill. I'm Tony Dungy, and this has been my look at the NFL Championship games this weekend. Hi, there he goes. Tony Dungy, uh, one of the better spinoffs from Family Guy. All right, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. It is the Ron and Fez show. Uh, hanging out with you today, Ron Bennington, Fez Watley, the very fine Chris Tanley, and also Eastside Dave McDonald. Fezzy, what's on your uh, mind today? What's the big Ichiban for you? What are the kids talking about? A uh, very disgusting story to me out of London. Mm -hmm. This is Holiday Inn, and it's something they're trying new in some of their hotels in Great Britain, where they're now going to have a new hotel service where a hotel staffer comes and lays in your bed before you're ready to go to sleep just to warm it up. They're going to be in some sort of sleep suit, their hair will be covered, and they're going to lay there and warm up your mattress for you. This is the most disgusting thing I've ever heard of. There, there's, it's One of the most horrible feelings is when you're, you take a seat after someone else has been in it and you feel their warmth. Feeling their warmth is basically like feeling their sweat and feeling everything gross about their body and their germs and everything else. And now you want to put people in a hotel bed that's all you know that hotel beds already are germ ridden. And this is what they're going to do. It's oh, it's the it's one of the worst feelings ever. And so this is what's new at the Holiday Inn in uh, Great Britain. Uh, and you think how many people are going to do this, Fizz? Um, I'm not sure. I, I can't you... imagine people, anyone wanting to do it. All right, so it's a service that is wouldn't be wanted by anybody, right? Right, yeah. So why would they offer it? Because apparently they think somebody's going to want it. Come on. I'm going to carny you up here. Why do, they, why do they offer this service? How about the same exact reason why they'll sell an omelet for $2,000? PR? Yes. No one's going to do this. But at the same time, why would a guy in America be talking about the Holiday Inn in England? It's fucking carny work. You offer some crazy thing, then everybody goes around, I wouldn't pay for that, would you? And they're suddenly fucking uh, talking about the place. It's weird it that, that it wouldn't be something good, though, that they would want to carny us with. Then they would have to, ass warmth. Then they would have to fucking do it. Where here they get to offer something that maybe five people will do as a goof, but it's going to make every fucking, you know, AP wire in the uh, world. 
they do this stuff all the time with the world's most expensive donut, the world's most expensive hamburger, and everybody's gone, this, the world's gotten crazy. Can you believe what they... And then they go there and go, well, you know, they sell the most expensive hamburger here, but we're not going to get it. We'll just get the regular hamburger. <laughs> and everybody fucking falls for these things time after time. I'm going to put one up right now. You give me $2 million, I'm going to shoot Fez in the back of the head. <laughs> Send that to the fucking every gossip columnist. For $2 million, if you give it to me in cash, I'll take a gun out and shoot Fez in the back of the head. Done deal. You have my word as a gentleman. All right, but some crazed lottery winner could hear that. Let's hope. There's some crazy uh, English DJ now talking about that proposal. <laughs> There's I, an American yeah, who's going to shoot. This is how wacky they all back in the States. And thank God we lost that revolutionary war. He's going to, he's going to shoot his pity partner in the back of the head. Right in the back of the melon. You can't even walk around here without a gun. Crikey, you say... I don't even want to go over to that place. Rubbish. Apparently, they're called the Ronan Fed Show, and here's the story. <laughs> they're from one of the colonies over there. <laughs> yeah, none of those stories are ever fucking true. They, they're just fucking straight uh, hype, and they work every time. Who fucking says to themselves, I need someone to lay in this bed? <laughs> Crazy people. The only way you can sleep in a bed somebody else has been in is if you've got a big brother. And you're like, I can't wait till he wakes up and it's my time to lay down. <laughs> and that's as a child, though. I mean... <sighs> Dave, I understood you did it over Thanksgiving, so stop pushing that around. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. Davey Mack, what's in, uh, on your head today? Well, uh, Brittany uh, Murphy's uh, mother and weird husband are making the rounds, mm -hmm. and that they said that there's no way it was caused, her death was caused by drugs or, dis or eating disorder, that at 31 or 32, she just died of natural causes. But then they also blame the stress of Hollywood and staying yeah, perfect. Exactly. They, which they, sounds they, like eating disorder and or drugs. Yeah, they said that it was Hollywood who led to her, her ultimate uh, demise for her to uh, look perfect. Mm -hmm. and it, well, unless she gets hit in the head with some lighting. They are really... Uh, what do you mean by that? Like that would be Hollywood causing her death. If uh, like a lighting... Oh. Oh, well, you mean one of the Let's lights drops uh, on her head on a movie set. That's I, the only way Hollywood did I it. I honestly thought you were doing an ugly joke. <laughs> I had no idea where that was going. Um, well, no, there are a lot of stresses to this. For example, the other night uh, at the Golden Globe Awards, um, that little Jennifer Aniston came out and she had the slit skirt on. Mm -hmm. The New York Times says she's uh, fat. They said that she's gotten really heavy. Yeah. Now... She's in her 40s, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. There's 40. no... What's that? I think she's exactly 40 right now. Right, there's no other criteria where anyone ever would say, there's a 40-year-old woman who doesn't look good. But in Hollywood, they're looking for just the tiniest little fucking thing for every fat-ass person in, in the Midwest to say, yeah. she's ugly. It's getting out I of guess control. That, I think that's a Midwestern accent. <laughs> ugly. I don't know. Well, it's not getting out of control. It's always been that way. Yeah, I know, but it's like a lot of the hottest chicks always, to me, look better with some meat on them. I'm not saying that. Oh yeah, they, they they get those women so thin now that you don't know, you don't find them attractive. Like, like Angelina, like she has to watch it. She obviously is beautiful, but she can't keep going thin, thin, thin. And now here's the deal: if you look at her, 
In real life, she'd be this curvy woman. Maybe five, ten pounds overweight, and she would look fantastic. There, she stays like 20 pounds underweight. Underweight. She is malnourished, and it's crazy. So she probably has like a 30-pound difference of where she would be if she was a regular person as opposed to a Hollywood person. And she's only like 5'1 or 5'2. She's not that tall. Yes, and, and and they have to do this, and then Hollywood throws them out when, as soon as they hit, like, 42 years old. But the, these, the only thing that disturbs me is these people have, like, the Mark McGuire thing. They want it both ways. They say, well, Hollywood put too much pressure on her, but she died of natural causes. Well, which is it? Yeah, I, I think Hollywood probably put too much pressure on her, and she was throwing up her food and fucking, you know, doing whatever else natural. she had to do. And that's not natural. Yeah. And and point the f- have the balls to point the finger, you know, in a, in a real way. Well, they would be pointing it at themselves. Like we didn't tell her it's not that important that you're in another stupid movie. Why don't you take care of yourself? Mm. Uh, Dave in Michigan, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Petro, say what? What? <laughs> hey, Ronnie B. I was just yeah. wondering what your uh, Western Union account number is. So I can wire you the money. Uh, what? Are you calling from the 1800s? You're gonna, I, I, I haven't heard of anyone using Western Union. <laughs> When's the last time that fucking happened? Stagecoach? They even still a company? I think it happened in the Apple Dumpling Gang. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. What about you, Chris Stanley? What's bothering you today? Uh, I read something. Uh, there was It was a link to The Advocate, the gay magazine, and it's <laughs> and already the, I don't like where this is going. They named the number one gay city in America, and it turned out to be Atlanta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. I had no fucking clue there were so many gay people down in the, in the south in Atlanta. Look, kid. <laughs> yeah, there's you know there is as many gay people in the south as there is in the north. It's just uh, a different vibe about it. But there's always been gay clubs, and Atlanta's been a gay place for a long, long time. Um, I remember. In the 80s, there was a bumper sticker that said, I'm not black and I'm not gay, but I like Atlanta anyway. And the locals would wear it there. And then even Elton John picked up an Atlanta uh, condo. And I think he's had it for, you know, a long, long time. That explains why there's such bad sports fans down there then. It is one of the major reasons uh, between that and Coca-Cola, the people of Atlanta, not crazy about sports. Okay, I see. I didn't know that. Although they do like that bulldog that Georgia has, and they make a big deal out of it, and he does gigs. Yeah. <laughs> you can show up someplace and get your picture taken with that dog. The latest Ugga died again. I think they're up to, like, Ugga 14. Well, those dogs don't live that long, right? No, those bulldogs, it, uh, mm-hmm. a thoroughbred thing like that, it goes quick. Why? Yeah. It's like it's been so inbred with other bulldogs that it's got they come mm. out with health issues no no it's their nose their it's their breathing they only they average, can't breathe they average a seven-year lifespan because it's very difficult for them to get air and pretty at, once they hit six or seven it's like they're uh an 80 year old dog uh, not an 80 but a, a 12 13 year old dog because their respiratory system is just shit see if i was george I, i'd want a dog that last yeah, I would never go for. But a I think dog. it's nice because, like, you come in your freshman year, there's a new Ugga, and then senior year it dies. So <laughs> everybody gets that. They get their little, own. Yeah, they get their own little time. 
Yeah, I, I always... Why not just put a breathing mask on it on the sidelines? I even feel sad, like, when one of my friends has a bulldog. I'm like, this. why are you getting attacked? Why? I had no idea that I, they didn't last as long. Yeah. And you say this has nothing to do with inbreeding. This is just... Any breed of bulldog doesn't last long. Yeah, for, no, from what I understand, the bulldog is because of the respiratory system really does suck. And once they get a little bit older, it just pretty much fails totally. They, they simply can't breathe. Their noses, look at their faces. Their faces are smushed in. I had a friend that had theirs for about a year and a half. And it went. Well, and that was all kinds of digestive issues and I everything. Mean, it was just a sickly dog. Uh, Chad in California, you're on a fez. Hey, uh, uh, when I was living down in Houston, I had uh, one of my girlfriends down there. She took me out to this little gay bar. And I swear, it was a girlfriend. She took me out there. Mm -hmm. um, but you uh, have all these uh, southern dudes down there in their white beaters with the handlebar mustaches and the cowboy hats, but they were doing the two steps and all that. It was fantastic. So you, you went with your girlfriend to a gay bar. Just one quick question. I'm going to get this whole thing together. Now, how big was your girlfriend's dick? 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Learning new stuff all the time from uh, Dave and Fez. Bulldogs don't live long. No. I had no idea. No idea of this at all. No, they're kind of like... um. You know, like Emmanuel Lewis or Gary Coleman of the dog breeds. Both you know. of them are still alive. I know, but yeah. they don't have a lot. They don't. They don't have a lot le left. I will, uh, you're, you're, you're not going to see them live to ninety. Is my I point. just hope that they're not uh, listening because they're going to feel terrible about that. Uh, Tony in Atlanta, you're on running Fez. Hey, buddies. Uh, Fez was actually right. If you want to, in this specific case, the Georgia Bulldogs come from a Siler family down in Savannah. And that last one died at like four years old, and it is because they're so freaking inbred that they have tons of problems. Now, why do they want an inbred dog? Why wouldn't they? You know, no one's going to get mad if the bulldog the isn't perfect. Right. I think they'd yeah. rather have a uh, a fucking healthy mutt out there running around to be their aga. Yeah. The inbred, the inbreeding thing that Fez is talking about, uh, I have heard of before. That, you know, that a lot of the times, like, with some of those, like, poodles and stuff, right. they, they don't live as long and there becomes problems. Because you're kind of fucking around with, with nature. Uh, but I hadn't heard uh, what Dave said, that no bulldog lasts all that long. Zach in Arizona, you're on a Fez. Hey, what up, Ronnie? Yeah. Hey, um, I spent about $2,500 on the dog and then about five grand in medical bills within the first year. What, what kind of dog? Bulldog. Now, was this a heavily bred dog or just like a regular bulldog? Um, it, it, it claimed to be a breeder from uh, North Carolina, and I bought it over the internet. Now, did you know? It, did you know that these dogs have a lot of problems like this? Um, yeah, and Dave's right. About seven years is like the average lifespan. Now, why did you want a dog that you're not going to get your money out of? Well, I plan on breeding it. So you, know, you just want to keep this thing yeah. going? It doesn't even make a Fucking huge amount of sense. Here's uh, Peter, Massachusetts. You're on Fez. Yeah, I got a uh, bulldog in my car. I got it from my wife two years ago. Then she just divorced me and gave me the dog. I just took the dog to the vet. It had a fucking surgery. Uh, it had stones in its urethra. That cost me 600 It had to get its sinuses scraped out so it could breathe. That cost me 800 And they had to clip its soft palate in the back of its throat. So it could breathe correctly. That cost me another thousand dollars. Jesus. And we don't have any dog insurance in this country. 
So yeah. I say to my ex-wife, I go, listen, you just gave me the dog. What do you say we split the surgery? She goes, yeah, I got a better idea. Why don't you put the dog to sleep? I go, it's your fucking dog. And maybe she's not as attached as you are. <laughs> she's a horrible person. I mean, let's face it. If you had to look at certain expenses with a dog, it ain't a person. You know what I mean? Like, if yeah. someone said to you, I need five Gs to fix your dog, you're like, really? Because you know how many fucking dogs I can get for $5,000? <laughs> I look like crazy dog man at the end of the fucking street here. Uh, let's go over here to uh, Sam in Georgia. Sam, you're on Fez. Hey, Ronnie B. What's going on, man? I'm learning a lot from Fez and Dave today, as always. As every single day, I learn something from these these two intellectuals. That's a fucking circus, my friend. Yeah. Uh, well, so I got two things. First of all, my parents actually have Uga Five's nephew. Mm-hmm. And Jesus this dog nephew. is a piece of shit. He's huge. He can't breathe. Like, his face is actually folded over on itself. It's just disgusting. Right, I need a picture of that dog. Seriously. Get a picture but, uh, of Uga's nephew and Rocky, send it to me. Rocky Dennis of dogs. But uh, the thing I was going to say also, after this last Uga Seven died, PETA actually came to Georgia saying... They wanted to have a, a robotic dog at Georgia instead of a real dog. Get Astro. Astro's <laughs> a fucking great dog. Oh, no. We can't. We're going with a robotic dog that's against Astro. He, uh, l let's just get into this. There's no reason. You know, I'm never on Peter's fucking side ever. Do you really need a real dog? You can't put some fucking fat freshman in a dog costume and have him waving like Pluto? The problem is they run that Ugga dog across the field. And yeah, well, they, every fucking place they'll bring out their buffalo or their fucking <laughs> wagon with things pulling it. It's just... Uh, everybody's the fucking WWE down there. It's odd that your mascot is something that's sickly and dies very soon. Much like their program. Uh, cigars and Scotch, you're on Fez. Hey, guys. I don't see how Dave can say they only lived six years. I mean, Davey Boy Smith lived into his 30s. <sighs> yeah, but remember what happened to him. He didn't go out well either. And do yeah. that by dog. Well, maybe the Islanders will kidnap Ugga. I hope not. <laughs> I would fucking really feel bad about that. I would really feel bad. Uh, here is uh, Kyle in Alabama. You're on Fez. Hey, buddies. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to contribute to the bulldog discussion. My, my buddy got one, and uh turned out that it was allergic to both poultry and beef, and so it has to eat real food, and then it has to have its throat massaged, and then it has to have they have to actually wipe its nose like every 20 minutes. My, my buddy's miserable oh, doing fun. that. What's that? Fun dog, fun pet. It's like that, yeah, it just lays in its it lays in its corner, and it's just miserable. And then they have to they have to feed it three times a day. But it, it seriously eats better than they they can't eat dog food. Just call your dog Grandpa. <laughs> yeah, thanks, buddy. All right. Um, let's go over here to Chris and PA. You're on running first. Hey, uh, hey, Ron. Yeah. Bernie's Mountain Dogs are awful dogs. They're as bad as American Bulldogs. They're born, they're almost born with cancer. Uh, my parents have had two. Both of them have been put down within the first two or three years. You know, after a while, buying dogs like that, you ought to just fucking put yourself down. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I you know, know the if, if you keep making the same fucking mistakes over yeah. and over... I'd rather have Dave's three-legged dog. <laughs> yeah, she's, you know, she's doing fine because she's not a bulldog. Got a good respiratory system. And she doesn't have papers. It's just your dog's just a regular dog. Yeah, just a regular dog. That's what the fuck to get for kids. Get them a regular dog. Yeah. There's no reason. It's all about training. 
Training? There's no training. All you got to do is this. Um, go like this. Kids, the dog ran away. <laughs> no, I mean training the dog. It doesn't matter what breed you have. As long as you train the dog well, it'll be good. Oh, you mean it'll be a good dog? Well, you, good. you can't dra- uh, train a mutt as good as a fucking bred dog, though, right? Oh, no. We, it's we, not like you can train your dog to hunt. We had my, no, but I'm just saying to behave, to not piss on the carpet. Yeah, that's not that's not really training. That's not considered. Well, that's what Caesar Milan calls it. Who's that? The dog whisperer on National Geographic. I, I think they took them off my cable. <laughs> I'm not gonna fucking sit there and watch the dog whisperer. I feel like a fucking retard. <laughs> What's wrong, doggy? Uh, here's uh, Ted in Rhode Island. You're on a fez. Hey, gentlemen. Yeah. Hello. What can we do for you? Oh, uh, I just want a quick little tidbit. English Bulldogs cannot be born naturally. They're all C-section. Jesus. Then that dog yeah. shouldn't be alive. They're, English people had Darwin. What the fuck is wrong with them? Um, here's uh, Nick in Virginia. You're on running Fez. Hey, yeah, I just wanted to tell Dave, they actually do have dog insurance. Uh, I pay $200 a year for my dog to have insurance. And uh, he actually grew cancer in his eye. He had to get it removed. Instead of $1,000, it's only 50 Oh, these, are dis- these dogs are disgusting with their eye sockets. They're furry time bombs. Scott in uh, Houston, you're on a Fez. Hey, Ronnie, I want to know about your mascot, Fez, and his life expectancy. He's already had problems, and he farts all the time. And How do you deal with that? Well, if I get $2 million, I'll put him down. For $2 million, I'll put him down and add a gig. Um, all right, we're going to take a break here, back in just a couple of moments. Let's give away uh, something, uh, Fez, when we get back. Uh, we've got a, $200, a $250 Steven Singer gift card from Steven Singer Jewelers. All right, Valentine's Day is coming up, and this is one of those holidays where a man just doesn't know how to act. You don't know what the hell you're supposed to be doing for her. So here's a, here's a beautiful situation for you. Uh, you give us a call if we like your story. Uh, your Valentine's Day is taken care of. You don't have to reach in your wallet. You forget about the whole deal. And let's set it up this way. Of something you have given up for your chick. Maybe she asked you to do it. Maybe she didn't ask you to do it. It's something you used to love to do. Now you don't do it uh, anymore. Uh, Just to make life easier. It's a sacrifice and a sacrifice for love. Davey Mack, do you feel like you've made any of those in your life? Yeah, I do. I haven't bought my own DVD in two years. I used to buy them all the time. I used to be addicted to buying them. So you had a, a wonderful DVD collection. Or maybe one year, but still, yeah. I had a wonderful DVD collection, and I just gave it up because I realized she didn't want me to spend all my money on the DVDs. I see. So, so I here up. you were something that you enjoyed and you were crazy about. And she asked me not to. You, oh, she asked you. You didn't willingly give it up. You had to be told. But I, I did it. I gave it up for her. What about you, Hicks? Oh, about a year and a half ago, I made a beautiful promise to my girlfriend that I would stop being blackout drunk. Mm. And I haven't blacked out in probably a year. And I think that's a big step. All right. So a year and a half ago, you have you made a promise. Took you six months for it to take. Yeah, it was a period there, you know. But your point is, now, how do you stop yourself from being blackout drunk? Because it's a very thin line when you're heavily drunk. I just know not to hit the liquor as hard as I used to. And I'll just, you know, I'll just stick to beer maybe. And then I can, I know when I'm really fucked up that I'm in that medium zone where I, things can get real bad real fast. All right, so here you took uh, a real man, 
our own Chris Stanley, and now he drinks like a fucking lady. He will sit there and drink a fucking Coors Light instead of what he really wants is hard-ass liquor. He wants to sit there like Lee Marvin and fucking drink his problems away. Everclear. Yeah. But he says to himself, you know what? If Dave can give up the DVDs, I can do this. Now, it may be seen as pussy. Maybe it's seen as heroic. It's up to you to decide. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. We got a big prize on the line here. $250 gift card to Steven Singer Jewelers that you can use at IHateStevenSinger.com. That's the website. Uh, $250 on the line right now. What did you give up for your chick? You went out of your way to say, Darling girl, I'm going to give up my nature. All for you. We'll be back in just a couple moments with the contest. It's around a Fest show. So, Roy, let me ask you, what have you been doing all these years? Uh, well, the, the uh, after, after the hand, I, the 80s, <clears throat> drinking. A lot of, lot of drinking. Uh, are you still drinking? No, 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 I, I don't, that's, that's behind me now. I just, why are you buying? I'm going to detox venture, way down on last breath on. Serrano Fez show. Hicks loves the warm Yvonne. He's a great man. He was. I'm still, I'm still keeping him in my heart for a while. Oh. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, a little contest going on, Fezzy. And this is for a $250 Steven Singer gift card from mm. Steven Singer Jewelers. You can use it at the store in Philadelphia or online at IHateStevenSinger.com. Works just as well either place. So this is what we're, uh, we're talking about today as we're getting closer to Valentine's Day. Things that you gave up for your chick. Stuff that maybe you never thought you would have given up in your whole life, but you decided... Just like our own Chris Stanley, to give up something you love for the woman you love. Chris Stanley loved being blackout drunk. I hate remembering things. Yeah. And this was so much... It was Your life was easier before, but I guess it, it kind of bummed your chick out a little bit. Yeah, she didn't like when I would... I would wake up in her apartment and I wouldn't know how I got there. And she's like, you know what you did last night? You almost broke down the door, you stumbled in, vomited, and passed out on the side of the bed. That's you when you're horny. When you're really <laughs> fucking horny, you need to throw up at her house. She's getting good loving. Well, she's a lucky gal. Maybe she wants another bolt in that face. She'll be nice to, to Big Daddy. Lay the cash down, baby. <laughs> I'll take that bolt right out of your nose. Don't fuck with me. Uh, Mike in Boston, what'd you give off for your little darling? Oh, I had to give up my Oxycontins for my little darling. All right, so here you were, Mike. You had a beautiful Oxycontin fucking problem. Oh, but it was fun. So you were, in, you were enjoying the hell out of it, and did she bring it up to you, or did you say you you decided you need to give it up? Oh, she was a good little girl, and I, I think it was a little mix of both. She she didn't even uh, smoke a cigarette, smoke weed. And healthy nothing, girl. Nothing, She's a healthy nothing, girl. Didn't even drink. Didn't even drink. Good little girl. Sheltered. Very sheltered. And, uh, so I had to, well, at first I quit, and then kept it quiet, and then quit again. 
and kept it quiet mm-hmm. and quit again. Terrence is now struggling. I'm finally good. Yeah, now I'm finally good. Now I'm finally It's been like seven years, but yeah. not, well, you get seven years ch- since I've been with her. I've been quit for like uh, since April last year. So oh, so uh, six years into that thing, you finally did the right thing. Here's uh, Bill in New Jersey. What'd you give up for your girl? Uh, my freedom. <laughs> No. I, I, I'm ba- I'm basically relenting at 42 to uh, to have a kid. Wow, you waited long, huh? <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know if it's a good idea, but I guess I'll find out, right? Yeah, you'll be with the only 60 year old dad over there at the fucking graduation. Daddy lasted um, as long as the bulldog. <laughs> I'm gonna have a friggin' heart attack on the on the uh, on the playground. If you're lucky, if you're <laughs> lucky, my friend. You know that's the thing when you have kids in your 20s. You're too fucking stupid to understand exactly. what the hell you're getting into. <laughs> uh, wait till you're 40 and you're like, I get it. This is a fucking nightmare. All right. Well, so, yeah. what that, so, so what does that mean? I understand that I'm still doing it. How stupid is that? Yeah. All right. Well, you, you know, she wants it. You gave it to her. No more freedom. Bill goes into the finals. Here's, uh, let's go to David. Hey, David and Phil, you're on the Ron Fez show. How are you, buddy? I'm doing all right. Uh, well, this will work out nice for you because you're right there in Philadelphia. Uh, what you give out? Give what did you give out for your check? I actually moved from a small town in Texas uh, and left my family to come up to Philly to be with my girl. Now, what family you leave? Kids, wife? Which who'd you leave? Well, no, no, not like a second family. I mean, like parents, you know, that type of family. Now, I thought having a mother in Texas wasn't that big a deal. I'm sorry. I thought a mother in Texas was pretty much like a stranger. Well, yeah, I guess so. I never just thought of those Texas women as being cuddlers. I just didn't think that they like to spend a lot of time with their kids. They'd rather be outside. Gave up uh, his mama and his daddy, and off he left West Texas, riding into Philadelphia. It's something to give up. All right, let's go over to uh, Charlie in Delaware. Charlie, what'd you give up for your chick? In 91, I got a four-year college scholarship to a college in South Carolina, attended the school till Thanksgiving break, and came back and never went back to school. Gave up your education? Yes, sir. Now, did she want you to do that? No, she never asked me to, but the way things worked out when I got home, I ended up having a kid and got married and still married and have two kids now and... After the things turned out, even though I'm in a blue-collar job. Never look back, and you get up every morning, you're working outside like an animal, and you're like, whatever, I, I got her at home. Yes, sir. All right, uh, finals for that. He sounds like he's still uh, thinking about frat parties that never happened. Everybody has that, Fez. When you, when you go left, you're always wondering, what would have happened if I went, went right? Same way if you go right, you're wondering, whatever happened if I would have went left? That's the problem. You never know how your life would have turned out. You have no idea in the world. It could have been great. It could have been ugly. Such is life. Such are the choices we make. Now you make choices for all different women, all different uh, women in your life. Doesn't matter who you are with. At one of them, you're not going to do the things that you would have done if you had complete freedom. It's just a matter of where you decide to go with this. Uh, and we got a contest going on, and what a prize. It is a $250 gift card, and that is for Steven Singer Jewelers, the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philadelphia. You can use it at his website, IHateStevenSinger.com. You're getting $250 just in time for Valentine's Day. Well, this is what this is about. This time type of year is you have to say to yourself, 
All right, little darling, I didn't give you everything you ever wanted, but look at this rose. It's dusted with gold. Or look at this. I got your shiny rock on the end of a necklace. I hope that makes up for some of the things I've done over the years. Enjoy yourself. Um, hey, guys, what's happening? It's great to see it. We got Steven Singer coming in the studio with his assistant, Leanne, from Steven Singer Jewelers in Philadelphia. And I hate stevensinger.com. This is the big time of year for you, huh, Steven? This is it. This is it. Valentine's Day. We're pumped up. Thanks for having us in, guys. It's great to have you in. You know, we're in the middle of a contest for you I right know, now. I know. I'm listening. Uh, and I was saying this. No matter what happens in life, you always end up giving up something. Yes. Before you get something, you give something Absolutely. up. Absolutely. Now, you, on the other hand, you refuse to give up freedoms. No matter who you're with, you're like, I also need my side projects. Sure. And you have to have a little fun. You have to have a little bit of fun in sure. life. Although I've given stuff up for my wife. What have you given up for? Uh, many years ago, like mm -hmm. 18, 19 years ago, we, uh, my wife decided to blow up our car by accident. She just drove it until it blew up, and mm -hmm. we weren't in great money situation at the time. So I had to sell. I had a sports car and a motorcycle. I sold both of them so I could buy her a new car. Wow. And that was my only passion. It's the only thing I, that I'm really into is cars and stuff, so I did that for... Now, what kind of decision was that for you at the time? Though? There was no decision. You just you know, do I mean, it. Just, you just do it. Yeah. I, was, I wasn't pissed that I did it. I was thrilled to do it because I love her and it was the right thing to do. Right. I was mad she blew up the other car. But, sure. Uh, you know, no. that, that's a different story. <laughs> did you even let on there? Like, you know, or were you still... No. I you're just fresh said, enough like, oh, these yeah, things happen. I, exactly. I just, yeah. yeah let's, you know, I'm going to get rid of it anyway. You know, she was pregnant with our first kid. and It's uh, like the Pulp Fiction scene where he's saying, no, I don't care about the watch. And then he's in the car. Yeah. Damn it! I asked for one thing! <laughs> right. That's true. No, I, it's, uh, you know, you just, uh, you know, you, but you got to do what you got to do. You got to do what you got to do. That's it. In life, that, these things happen, and uh, ultimately, you're happier for it. And I'm sure in your business, you get a lot of people coming in there going, I need to get out of this jam. I got I did, a couple, I did a couple things. I, I got people done. now that buy, listen, I'm buying a security gift here. When I screw something up or I do something, I want to have something on the side ready to go. And going like, yeah, yeah. I know I screwed up, but remember that, <laughs> yeah. that necklace that you loved? Exactly. Oh, I like the idea. A little insurance. Get laid away. Yep. It's called. All right, here's Anthony in New York. How are you, Anthony? Hey, good, Ronnie. I gave up a chocolate lab because you were talking about dogs and duck hunting. You gave up your dog? Yeah. No. can't hunt with him no more. She's so, allergic to him. She's allergic to the dog, and you had to give the dog up. Yeah, That's sir. a tough one. I don't know if I could give up the dog, Fez. It a man and his nice. dog is a sacred thing. It was a tough time. Oh, you're definitely going into the finals for that one. Well, thank you, sir. But although, if you got a dog like that and it can't hunt, you're better off yeah. giving it to somebody else who's going to use it properly. Um, let's go over here to... Uh, uh, let's go over to Chris in Buffalo. You're on Manifest. Hey, Ronnie. How are you, my friend? Uh, it's been better, not bad. Uh, I gave up my girl. I've been with her six years, solid chick. Moved in with her about four years ago, and uh, I had to give up standing while I while I pee. She makes me <laughs> and my five year old son sit down. Yeah. You no, probably get a lot of that, don't you, Steve? I don't. I don't even understand the concept of this. Well, she's a neat freak, and I didn't even know about this until I moved in with her. Like I said, four years ago, and she had mentioned it to me, and I threw it, you know, 
took it as a joke, whatever, didn't think she was serious. And I come to find out she was very serious about it. So I, I got to raise my son this way. He, he sits, and I sit. I also got to sit. You, you, you're raising your son to sit? Unfortunately, yes. Oh, I think it's you're better easier. off for it. I think uh, you're more comfortable. No, you can't do this. This is. I think you went too far, Chris. I'm going to put you on the on the uh, in the finals, but I'm also going to put a little X to your name so I make sure I don't pick you. <laughs> because this is too much. It's crazy. I know, but it's so, just easier than fighting. Well, why don't you just give it a quick wipe down? I. You know, I know, I know. I just—it's easier than if it, then it's easier than just getting caught or whatever, and then just going to battle over something. So I think so stupid. So it's just easier, easier to follow suit. Now, do you do you teach your son that he has two mommies? <laughs> no, I don't. Because this guy is so trained, he's now going to sit even at a urinal. He's going to end up going to a football game. And sit down in the urinal. He must be just a sprinkler system. Oh. I think his wife is right. You're a sitter? Oh, I'm a sitter, sure. I'd rather put a gun to my head. I'd rather put a gun to my head. I don't even like, like, if you are at a ball game and a guy starts using a, a stall and he's sitting and he's standing up in there, there's something wrong with him. If there's a urinal open, it has to be used. Oh, no. Go to the, if the, that's what the, you're lucky to get a stall where you can shut the door. And sit there in peace for two seconds. All right, Stephen, you, you uh, I'm sure, went to many at the old Vet Stadium, oh, many yeah. games. There's a system there for using the bathroom. Number one is right. the urinal. Two, of course, the toilet. Right. Then finally the sink. Yep, that's then it. Then everybody, oh. everybody's covered. That's it. You've never used the sink at a ball game? I have never used the uh, sometimes sink. Sometimes the lines are long, man. And the man. game is going on. Oh, yeah. What are you going to do, stand in you line like back. a woman? You're going to wait for an open stall. Well, what I try to do is plan in advance. You know, I try to plan until after the game. You know, sometimes you screw up, but listen, it's uh, you know, I don't want to be standing there in a line, and I don't want to have to make those decisions. It is. It's a gigantic decision. Yeah. You know, and I'll I'll be at a game, and it's like bottom of the ninth. That guy's going. I got to go to the bathroom. I go. Are you kidding me? You're out of your mind. It's the best time. Piss in a cup. That's it. Stand, sit there if you have to, and take care of yourself. People could see you. Uh, here's Sarah in Hawaii. Sarah. Yes, hi. What did you give up for your woman? No. Oh, okay. My husband gave up his porn collection for me. Now, what kind of porn collection did he have? Well, it was pretty ex um, extensive. I would say maybe three or 400 DVDs. He's in the military, and his nickname was Porn King. So, so you can imagine. Hey, I bet you were so excited to bring the Porn King home <laughs> to meet your parents. <laughs> Until afterwards. <laughs> now, did you have to say to him, I'm not comfortable with this? No, I didn't mind it at all, but I think some of his buddies were complaining about their wives, so he decided to just go ahead and skip all of that and just get rid of it. And now you, you're just, you, you've, you're woman enough for him? Yeah, well, I would like to think so, yeah. All right. You're going to go into the finals, mainly because no one else's wife has called for them so far. <laughs> Uh, by the way, these roses are absolutely beautiful. I've Thank heard, you. I've heard Fez talking about it, and I could never picture it in my mind. Yep, it's a real rose in there. A lot of people ask me, I've had people break them open because they don't believe it. it's a real rose, and we preserve it, and it's dipped in 24-karat gold, and we have them in all gold, and the ones you're holding are the Passion Purple uh -huh. and the Valentine's Day Red, and the leaves are enameled and uh, you know, has the 24-karat etching, and it lasts forever. It's a great 
the no, you thing. actually have a vase for these, so if the guys wanted to, they could collect them as, you know... That's what, what's happened. This was, the whole thing was an accident. About mm. 15, 16 years ago, the first time we started selling these things, we, we didn't realize what was going to happen. And originally, we only had the old gold. Then we came out with the red, and then we came out with different colors. And people now have become addicted to it. They've heard it's an easy gift, and they yeah. get it, and they get a whole bouquet. And I have guys that every year they come in, and every year we make another, another new color. And they come in and they get the colors and they build a little bouquet out of it. It's kind of nice because you can sit somewhere and you can remember every single year. It's great because you get credit for it all year round. Right. right. You know, for 59 bucks, you know, you buy regular flowers, which are great. You yeah. know, I get my wife regular flowers, you know, real flowers, you know, living flowers. But this is a really nice thing because you get credit for it all year round. It sits either like on the dining room table or on the desk or they lay it on a piece of furniture. And they look at it and just women, they, they just like it. I am uh, guys. We don't necessarily understand it. But um, it's something very, very sentimental. I think it's brilliant. Forever. This is genius, Stephen Singer. Thank you. You've done it again. Well, he at least did it once. Well, that's true. <laughs> hey, listen, I was <laughs> thinking, guys. Yeah. A different color. I, was, I was in the uh, other studio next door. We were waiting to come on. And I was listening to all the callers and everybody calling on the things. And I know you guys are going to pick somebody for the gift certificate. But a lot of these callers are really pretty good. I don't know how you're going to pick. What do you say we give everybody that's on the uh, line that called in a rose? Oh, I think it's great. We'll send them all rows. What do you think? All right. We'll start and do that now. We'll take your name and number. You'll be able to pick up uh, one of these roses. And just stunning. It's actually a lot uh, better looking than even I heard it uh, described. Because in the back of my mind, I thought it was still going to be living and you just dusted it somehow. No, no. This is a, it's all dipped in 24. It's like a chocolate dipped cookie or something. You know, The whole thing is dipped in, in gold. It lasts forever. Um, it comes, like I said, in this beautiful gift box, a little message of love, you know, whatever they want to put in there. And, uh, they're really terrific. It's, it's, no it's something could go wrong off. with this. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great thing. All right. So starting right, right now, even if you get online, if you get on the air with us, you're going to get one of these roses, but then the grand champion will get the $250 gift certificate. And a rose. And a rose. Sure. Yeah, we'll give one, one to everybody. We'll ship them out. You're living like Robin Hood right now. There you go. There's, so, there's something about you that I don't even understand. I don't understand how you're making your money like this. You, you give too much. You know what's fun? Yeah. I get to share. You know how you guys have a great job? Because you get people, oh, thank you all the time. I get emails about you that says, yeah. thanks for, you know, I'm ordering this because you're on Opie and Anthony. I'm ordering this because you're on Ron and Fez. Because you guys are supporters. Mm -hmm. You know, we like that. Uh, you have a lot of loyal listeners, but you give guys, uh, people enjoyment. You know what I mean? They're listening to you. They enjoy it. They're in their car. They're working. They're driving. They're at the computer. Whatever it is, they're listening to you, and they're getting pleasure out of it, right? Yeah. It's a fun type of job. You know, you're not because grandma died or the roof is leaking or somebody just had a flood or some other kind of thing. So something bad's happened. This right. is fun. It's entertainment. I'm lucky because I get to share in all people's happy times, birth of a child, Christmas, birthday, Valentine's Day. And I get people thanking me all the time. Some guy comes in, he drops money, mm -hmm. gets his woman, girlfriend, wife, whatever, a gift, and they thank me. Right. It's unbelievable. It's an unbelievable thing. But you get to share in all those special times, so I, I get a lot of enjoyment out of that. All right, here is Alan in Montana. How are you doing, Alan? I'm doing pretty good. All right, what do you got, pal? Because there's some real strong ones that come in so far. Okay, um, about three years ago, my wife's dad uh, needed a kidney, and uh, they tried everybody in the family and coun't find anybody that would do it or whatever, and my wife asked me one night, and uh, I just said yes. Wow. And I went ahead and gave it to him. Um, he's living normal life. Everything's good, but uh, I realized after the fact that I could probably only drink about a half a beer a day. And and what happens to you? I it just I, I I it just it makes me feel sick. 
Um, I pissed like a racehorse for I, it's like minutes afterwards. Like, now, before like, you even did this, did you have to think it over? I didn't think it over at all. You just went my for it real fast. Me, we've been married 17 years. My right. wife asked me, I said, you know what? If it saves your dad for more years, he was like 50. I said, I'll do it. I don't care. Here's the beauty of it. You never have to take out the trash again as long as you live. I, I don't mean, have to do the dishes. <laughs> yeah, nothing. Laundry. I don't have to do none of that. She does it all. And oh, you just bring up, what about the kidney? You forgot about That's the kidney. No matter what happens from that point on. Yeah, you're going to the finals. Now, Fez, could you do this for somebody? I, I don't think I could give up a kidney. Yeah, I, I'd go out of my way to do it. I'd like to give up both, just to be known as that guy. Because you're not going to meet a guy who gave up a kidney and ever say a bad word about him. You know, if you start saying, well, that Pepper Hicks is an asshole, he's like, I did give away a kidney. And you're like, all right, you're right about that. I didn't even think of that. Just has to show the scar, just start holding his back. Oh, I'd never wear a shirt again. I make sure the kidney scar was showing at all times. And we get it. You gave up a kidney. You know, any kind of weather, you know, when it's rainy like this, it hurts where I used to have a kidney. Mm -hmm. It hurts a lot. Yeah. Like there's something missing. I can't get a tan because, you know, I'm missing the kidney, right? No matter whatever comes up. I can't. I'd love to go. I'd love to help you move the couch. I can't. You know about the kidney, right? Did I ever tell you that story? Yeah, you told me. Uh, here's, uh, Travis in Kentucky. How you doing, buddy? Hey, you okay? Cool. Um, I, I, I had a small career of actually turned into a, like a semi-pro cross-country snowmobile racer. And my last race, I hit a deer doing about 90 miles an hour. And I almost died. And because of that, I had to quit racing snowmobiles. And it got so bad, we actually had to pick up and leave the state. <laughs> so you gave up exact it was snowmobiles? Like yeah, some yeah, like racing cross country in northern Michigan, uh, and I had a, I almost had a career going pro. I had sponsors in the police and everything, and then I had a deer and almost died. Spent about six months in the hospital. So it just and, made her nervous that you were doing it. Oh, yeah, it made her totally nervous. I can't do anything anymore. I can't you know ride my motorcycle. I had to get rid of that. I mean anything where I could pretty much get killed. So now I'm just stuck driving the truck for a living. I'm not real familiar with snowmobiling. Is hitting the, the, the deer part of the competition? You get an extra five points. You get no, an yeah. extra five points. All right. It's all part of the fun. Uh, Seems you, mean. By the way, you can't go anywhere in the country without hitting a deer now. Yeah. Uh, and if you live in the country, you're just going to go, all right, I'm going to go out and pick up some bread, hit a deer, and I'll be right back. That's it. As soon as I wipe I everything deer. off. Th they're... They're awful. everywhere. I yeah. mean, it, we screwed it up. We, you know, we moved where they are. But right. uh, I don't care. I just don't like them. We you, should move them. You yes. know, they. Uh, I don't. I think nature's taking its way back. They caught a wild coyote in Harlem. Yes. Really? Uh, yeah. Which I don't know whether they're just coming into <laughs> back into the city, or you know how like those drug dealers are like, I'm gonna get some coyotes. Because as soon as they make that money, right. they have to. I'm sure you run into a lot of those guys. Oh, sure. They just come in, I need my initials and giant diamonds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, I'm either going to make the. You're like, I'm either going to make the biggest sale of my life or I'm going to get shot yes. by a fucking crackhead. It's true. Um, let's go over here to. Uh, here's. Uh, let's go to. Um, let's go to Matt in Cleveland. Matt? Yeah, hello. How I had to give friend? up my 42-foot Benetel sailboat and my three-room condo in Sunny Isles Beach, Florida. Now, why did you That's give the, them both up? 
My wife did not like living in Miami, so I ended up having to move to the wonderful world of Cleveland. Who doesn't like living in Miami? Apparently my wife didn't, and... This is now Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All the sun and fun and things to do. Uh, the sun comes out twice a year. What, what, is it because she has her mother close? No. She's a, actually a, a former Filipino, and she wanted to see snow. And I'm originally from Ohio. I don't know if you could be a former Filipino. <laughs> I don't know whether that's something you can give up. It's a, it's a very invasive surgery, but you can be one. Because I think that if you could stop being a Filipino, we wouldn't have any. I don't think people are going around going, thank God I'm Filipino. I'm going to stay this way. Uh, let's go over here and to... And there's ski trips to see snow. Yeah, there's there's some places that there's really nice snow. Cleveland yeah. isn't one of them. I really want to see slush this year. Uh, let's go to Wayne in Alabama. How you doing, Wayne? Hey, guys. Uh, I, I, my dad was a, a big collector of sports memorabilia growing up, and he, he passed it on to me uh, before he passed. And uh, we needed to buy a house. My wife and I needed to buy a home, and we were about five or five or six grand short to make the down payment. And so I had to sell my dad's, uh, all his memorabilia. Oh, uh, this is the same kind of stuff Steven Kofax got into. Jersey, yeah, Ofa uh, autographed Kofax jersey, Super Bowl, uh, championship ball signed by the uh, the Redskins when they won it, bunch of autographed baseballs and stuff. And it wasn't so much about the money, it's just the, you know, having, you know, that my dad collected that. But I try to find some solace in the fact that he helped me, you know, get the down payment on on the house and let us move forward. And so every time I come home, it just reminds me of, uh, you know, him. So, but it was still rough giving that up, just knowing that he collected that for so long. Yeah, so. I'm sure he doesn't mind his Mickey Mantle ball missing. <laughs> yeah, well, I would have kept that if he had that. <laughs> he, he's no longer with us, Fez. No one gets to sell somebody's stuff when they're still around. You have to wait until they die. Um, that's a tough one, though. That is a tough one, because not only is it collectibles, but then it reminds you of your dad. Also, this woman can lay down and sleep somewhere. Oh, I would just be staring at her every single night. You happy with yourself? You like that bed? It's almost like <laughs> if the dad had lived, he wouldn't have been welcome in that home. No, he wouldn't have felt good about it. No one does. Um, let's go over here to Ray in Dallas. Ray. Hey, guys. Um, my lovely wife. Uh, made me give up uh, the dream of a lifetime. Uh, I, I play saxophone, and one of my friends got a gig to tour in uh, Japan, and uh, she thought I'd end up leaving her, uh, you know, because I'd be touring for about three months, and uh, you know, I'd be on the other side of the, you know, the world. And so uh, she told me to give it up, and uh, that, that's like a lifelong dream to go tour and play. And now I don't play music; I'm an accountant. So wow, you got a great life. He's either touring around with Japanese girls who don't know any better. Let's face it. Mm -hmm. uh, all they want is a round eye for themselves. It doesn't matter what you look like. And right. now he's back there working as an accountant. Now, do you, regr do you regret it? Yes. And you're still, like, a little angry with her? Well, I mean, because I, I mean, that's, that's why I... I uh, that's what I always, you know, always did in school. It's, it's probably the best thing I can do is play music and you know, and, and I had to give it up. And, uh, you know, that's how much I love her. You know, so I gave it up for that. Yeah, because there's not a lot of opportunities to play a, a sax. No. Right. No. Right. I mean, it's either that or you get together with the marching band alumni crew. Those poor <laughs> pathetic bastards still right. trying to hold on to high school. 
Exactly. Oh, this is a tough one, Fez. Yeah. Well, at least you're getting a uh, rose from Steven Singer Jewelers, the gold-tipped rose, and that's a nice gift for the most trusting woman in the world. But And, you know, you're not the first guy who ever gave up sex to, to being in a marriage. <laughs> so it kind of works out. All right, exactly. you're going in the finals, too. Uh, these roses are going to get a lot of guys over this year. Oh, yeah. A lot of people are going to get over because of this. And again... They don't die, Fuzzy. Nope. Lifetime guarantee on that. That's for Mr. Steven Singer. That's it. And just 59 bucks. Free shipping. And what I like about it is, like I said, we have a little personalized message. So you can write whatever you want, ship it right to her at work or home, wherever you I want. I never went and to Japan. That's you know, it. You know, work is the smart move, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. You get that, credit. Everybody yeah, like opens other, it up. Yeah. yeah. And then there's always some woman at work who doesn't get something. Yeah. And then you and then your wife is happy about that. Not only that. <laughs> and the thing is, like I said, the candy's great, but they eat it and it's gone. Right. You know, the flowers are, are, are nice, but you know, a week or ten days later they're dead. This they keep it and it's there. So like two, three weeks later and everybody else is done, you're still getting credit. It's still happening for you. Yeah. Uh let's head on over here to um Let's go to Donnie in Jersey. Donnie, you're on Manifest. Hey, what's up, buddy? What do you say? All right, my wife, uh, it was kind of a, a joint decision, but I gave up playing professional football. I played in the NFL and I played arena football. And uh, I ended up having three knee surgeries. And, uh, you know, she wanted to start a family. She had a good job, so she didn't live with me. You know, we were both making good money. And then we ended up having a kid, and that was it. She didn't want me to play anymore. Well, how long were you in the pros? Four years. Four years, in, uh, and, th and that's actually better than even average. Uh, right. Jerome Bettis was in here years. the other day. He says most running backs last three and a half years. Right. Uh, and then arena football, is that really football to you? Um, the game's faster, but, you know, honestly, about 70% of the guys played in the NFL or, or were or are going to the NFL. Right. You know, so it's different, but it was a gateway, you know, and another source to play football and get your name out there and get videos. So, you know, it was good, but, you know, it's no longer around. And then finally, you just had to say goodbye to the dream. Now you got her. Now I got her, and uh, I got a son. So, you know, it's great, but now I need a new knee probably within the next 10 years or so, and I'm 28 years old now, so. Maybe you'll be inducted into the Husband Hall of Fame. Hopefully. I'm looking forward to that. I don't even know if there is one. I don't know if enough guys would actually <laughs> even qualify to make that a legitimate Hall of Fame. We haven't put together a first class of inductees yet. Maybe when you get rid of that knee, though, you give it to your father-in-law. <laughs> you know, I gave him my knee. Worked for that other guy in Montana. That's a pro football knee. Uh, here is uh, Blake in Rhode Island. You're in Montana. Hey, what's up, buddies? What do you say, dude? Um, I gave up my dream to start my own business so my girlfriend could go back to school. Wow. Um, if we were both working, you know, I would have been able to save up some money to at least get it started. But unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, I offered so she could go back and pursue her dream to be a nurse anesthesiologist. So you gave up your dream so she could have hers. Exactly. That's sweet. That's sweet. <laughs> and for the anesthetic. Uh, hold on. Uh, we're going to get your uh, information. We're going to give out a winner here very, very quickly. Some of these stories, it's amazing what people do with their lives. Yeah, a lot of uh, sacrifice out there. 
Now it makes Stevens, you know, giving up his car look like almost like nothing uh, after a while. That's it's not no a body organ. <laughs> not a big deal. I didn't have to pee standing up, and I didn't have to give him a kidney. So, listen, I'm ahead of the game. You really are. When you think about it, just the fact that you can stand there like a man and, and, and urinate uh, makes you feel like, well, this isn't such a bad marriage to be in. You kidding me? It's I overrated. Would, I wouldn't sit down. I can't. I don't even understand the premise I, can, of that. I can't handle that. I'd rather give up a kidney. Yeah, I, either that, I'd start just using the backyard. I go, if that's where we're going, I'll it. be out next to a tree. Nah, I, I can't handle that. Certain things you just can't do. Uh, here's uh, Rob in Canada, you're a manifest. Yeah, guys, I, uh, with the girl I was with, my family hated, their, hated her, so uh, I basically cut off my entire family, and uh, we've been together ever since. Wow, why did they hate her so much? Because she was Canadian? <laughs> uh, no, uh, we're both Canadian, um, but uh, just some things that happened, and, and we're from a small town. And is there know, anything else around, up there? Whatever. Is there anything but a small town? No, no, like uh, Montreal and Toronto are big cities. But, yeah, how uh, far do you live from there, though? Um, probably three thousand miles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. That's like me going, you know what? I'm not that far from San Francisco. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I'm closer to Minneapolis than I am to those places. No, we mean by car, not dog sled. Well, you, you know, uh -huh, in, uh -huh, dog sled. In, uh, in Canada, 90% of the country lives close to the border. The United That's States. correct, yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy yeah, when I'm you think about it? about two hours from the border. And they spend all their life going like this. Is anybody looking? We can make one quick remove. Because I have a feeling Mexico's the same exact way. Oh, sure. Gotta be. We want to get a house overlooking the border. Yeah, um, for sure. And your family just hates her, so you just said goodbye to your family forever. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what happened. We got together, and we were together for about a year, and uh, she kind of went out and partied and uh, happened to um, sleep with somebody else and uh, get pregnant, so... I kind of forgave her, and we uh, said that the kid was ours, and um, only me and her knew about it, and then it got out, so mm -hmm. the family kind of said, you know, you don't need to be with her, and blah, 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 but she's like, me and her get along just like nobody's business, so sure. I forgave her and went on. Well, I, I don't think I've ever said this before, but your mother was right. I don't know how to tell you this. <laughs> <laughs> Your mother you could not be, be right more wrong, right. So so far, uh, everything's going great. <laughs> it's uh, really good, but what are you going to do? Uh, so, how do you feel about the kids? Since you're not the father, you just you just shake that off and just treat them like he's your kid. You know what? Um, I was adopted as a baby myself, so you know it's the same situation I was in. My parents aren't my biological parents, so. I know the I know the guy. Well, this kid's one up know. on you. Oh, What's you that? know the guy. You know the father. Yeah. And does he know that's his kid? No. All right, so you got one over on him suddenly. I uh, guess. Yeah, You're getting even of. with him by raising that kid <laughs> and paying for everything. <laughs> Never Something let the like kid that, yeah. answer the phone at that house. Well, the uh, the other good thing is at least you're living in Canada. You never have to worry about paying for his college. That's he ain't correct. going anywhere. Yeah. You know, he ain't going all, anywhere. Yeah, we're all brain dead here, but you know, whatever. <laughs> well, that's a great story. You're going to go into the finals, and of course, uh, 
pick up one of these lovely roses. This is the gold tip rose from Steven Singer Jewelers. It's a real long stem rose, and all the edges of the petals and the leaves, the stem, all dipped in 24 karat pure gold. They're absolutely gorgeous. And, of course, you got all kinds of other stuff you're selling this time. We have everything, but, uh, you know, they're pictured on the website. But it's the one thing uh, we, we've never managed to get the pictures to look as good as I think they really look in person. They're stunning. They're and absolutely stunning. And I would not say that, but this is, you know, most of the time when you run into these people going, oh, we have a teddy bear for your chick, you're right. like, whatever. I've seen it before. This I've never seen before. It's something a little bit different, a little unique. And like I said, my favorite part of it, being a guy, I'm always looking, I'm dying. You know, if somebody tells me something I can get my wife, right. not a fortune that I'm going to get credit for and looks good and she's going to like it, and then I can get another one later, you know, I'm thrilled. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's that type of thing. All right, we're going to come back and uh, pick a pick a winner here, Stephen. Thanks so much for dropping by. Buddy. Thanks You're so the much best. for having me in, guys. I really appreciate. it. I love being a part of the show, and I love your fans, man. We're getting emails like I got to forward you these emails, and and you got some between you and Opie and Anthony, you got some rabbit fans, man. They are into you. Thank you so we much, my it. friend. Thanks again for having us in. We'll be right back. I got my eye on you. I got my eye on you. No, I got my eye on you. No, I got my eye on you. Ron and Fez Show, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, Steven Singer was just in here, uh, and he treats us and, of course, ONA very, very well. So um, for any of your uh, Valentine's needs this year, I hope you guys will go check him out. He's a good guy. He's got great products, and he's very good to the radio station that you listen to. And that, of course, is uh, always uh, cool. Hey, uh, Death Metal Mo. Gentlemen, call of the decade checking in. How are you, my friend? Very good, very good. Are we still doing the contest? Uh, no, but I'll give you one of those um, flowers anyway. Oh, you're the man. Thank you very much. Uh, real quick, my story was... Um, do you want to hear it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, going, going with a girl for a while. Uh, her mother is a uh, emphysema survivor, so I unfortunately, I'm glad I took my call. I'm surprised you didn't spit on me. I had to give up cigars. Oh, my God. Now, did you just recently do that? Yeah, probably. Yeah, a few months ago. I mean, uh, just the, the smell of smoke annoys her because she hasn't smelled it in a very long time. So my car would stink like him because you know I smoke them in the car. And sure. House and you, uh, I decided to give them. Up. She did not ask. You know, I'm not going to blame her, but I decided to give them up. Where, where we've gotten with smoke in the world is as less people smoke, more people decide they have problems with it. I don't even understand it, but suddenly now the problems are unlivable for people who are afraid of smoke. Uh, death Metal Mo is a very surprising character. Of course, he's very into death metal, and yet he likes cigars, fine foods. He's a man of wealth and taste. There's no doubt about that. I try to be. Uh, so we're, I'm going to put you in and make sure you get one of those uh, roses, and that'll get you over this year. Thank you very much, sir, and uh, my lady friend thanks you as well. Oh, my lady friend. See what I say, Fuzzy? <laughs> He's a real gentleman, this one. That's classy. Yeah, he's a real gentleman. Uh, time for us to uh, pick the uh, contest winner. Picks up the uh, $250 uh, gift certificate from Steven Singer. I've tried it before with Fez. That was a disaster. I've tried it, of course, with Dave. Worse. Let me just go to my own man of wealth and taste, to my right-hand man, Chris Stanley. Chris Stanley, who's our winner today? 
Oh, this one was pretty easy. It's going to Allen in Montana for giving up his kidney to his her wife's dad. You know what I love about that story? We'll have no idea whether it's true or not. The guy could just be completely carny, calling up with that. But I would love to give a kidney away to someone. See, I couldn't do it. I think it would be the greatest thing ever. And I'm always laughing at people who won't do it. It's just you honestly get to play the hero. And you always have that over their heads for the rest of their lives. Yeah, you can be of like, course. Come on over and mow my lawn. But, uh, I, the, the kidney thing? But, you know, it would be better if you don't even bring it up and you just go like this. Sure, I'd love to. Uh, oh, hold on. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I don't want to say, but. Oh. Let me just sit for a second. <sighs> Do me a favor. You have two kidneys, right? Cherish them. Cherish them. Uh, Hicks, of course, uh, once again coming through and has done a great job on this Unmasked. It's a mystery guest that we have on Monday. A major, major star uh, that Hicks has put together for this Unmasked. Go to 202 Friends Twitter if you're available. It's 5 o'clock. You've got to be in Manhattan on Monday. 202 Friends Twitter. Um, obviously, we have a small audience here. And I don't even want to give away the name because there's going to be a stampede and then people are going to be angry about it. But it's a uh, it's a major, major television star who uh, is coming in here to do an unmasked. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. <coughs> Davey Mack, I haven't talked to you much today. What's, what's in the news that's bothering you right now? What's bothering you in your life? In my life, I was watching, uh, I was reading this uh, thing on... You were watching or reading? Do you like to watch a book? I was reading this mm. online. It was a story about Arnold Schwarzenegger, and they're still calling him the governator. Right. And I was thinking, that you know, nickname is kind of played out, but I do love it when non-athletes, however famous people, get nicknames, because it doesn't happen that often. Uh, like, for instance, I think probably the best... Frank Sinatra, chairman of the board. That that sounds well, great. Well, you know, it's odd. He has two. He has old blue eyes oh, and chairman I'm of sorry, the board. I'm sorry, you're right. Yeah, he does. Yeah, those are both great nicknames. Now, I always thought that the boss nickname was almost kind of a ripoff of chairman of the board. Oh, you thought so? Yeah, because See, like... it's almost like a blue collar chairman of the board nickname. I, I, well, the thing about the boss, it sounds good, but it's a bit confusing because Bruce is always singing about like he is, he is, he's the worker. He should have been called the worker. Well, you know, he used to be very un, uncomfortable with the boss thing. Right. He, he didn't did. like it, and then finally he's just like, "Fuck it, it's not going to stop." I'm just, yeah. I don't want to spend every day of my life telling people stop calling me the boss. I'm just going <laughs> to fucking forget about it. Uh, but you came up with a good point there because it's hard to have a great nickname like that when you're not a sports guy. Exactly. Nicknames are usually revert, re reserved for sports guys. Uh, David Bowie has. Uh, well, a lot of them. A lot of great and, ones. And most of the the problem with David Bowie's, like the Thin White Duke and all that, and Ziggy, is like he gave them to himself, <laughs> which I have a problem with. Yeah. Uh, Fez, best non-sports nickname? I think it's probably Johnny Carson, King of Late Night. Oh, that's a good one. Where you're actually yeah. given a royal term. Well, here was, here was the other funny thing. When he was King of Late Night, who was he beating? I mean, you know, Leno has to go back now, and he'll go up against Letterman and Jimmy Kimmel and George Lopez and, of course, Conan O'Brien. Yep. That's a battle. It was Carson, then, you know, against a old movie, mm -hmm. then Joey Bishop, who cares? 
back to an old movie. Right. Merv Griffin, who cares? Back to an old movie. I mean, his kingdom wasn't that, you know, there was nobody that would even challenge him in those days. Yeah. There was nobody else who could do what he would do. Right. And when people would go in, they would get crushed fast, and then it would be reruns. Yeah, and is that why uh, King it's Comedy? A great, it's a great one. Is that why King of Comedy? That that was an homage to to Carson. Yeah, I mean, obviously that character was based on him, but uh, yeah, the King thing was the King was, was Johnny's. That's why. Now I got one for you too. In show business, uh, Jackie Gleason was the great one. That's and that's just fucking <laughs> the great ones here. Uh, the only problem with that you can't have an off night. You know you right. and. And he would be the type of guy who would drink a lot and then show up at other people's shows <laughs> and just come walking out, ladies and gentlemen, the great one. Uh, when I did the Unmasked with Richard Lewis, he's opening in this little club for The Temptations, probably pre-comedy you know, comedy club boom. Mm -hmm. uh, Jackie Gleason, and he's dying. Jackie Gleason walks on stage and you know, just starts doing a set during this unknown fucking kids act and you know he's trying to fight the microphone away from gleason and the gleason even does the thing of let me show this kid how it's done and the place of course is going crazy right because it's fucking you know uh jackie gleason um here is uh todd michigan you're on run of fez how you doing buddies i gotta give a little credit to uh ronnie b there uh my favorite's jumping joe biden Jumpin' Joe Biden uh, is, of course, a great nickname. Uh, I like to call him the next president of the United States of America. Obviously, he's young. He's strong. Uh, the country's going great right now. Uh, Obama is, I think he's got a 98-share approval rating. I mean, it's just massive. So one day, he's going to take the crown off his head, just put it on Joe Biden's head, and then Joe Biden will say, finally... We get back to having a white president. Boom. <laughs> Off he goes. Oh, people um, rejoice. Randy in Buffalo, you're on Run Fez. Yes, hey, uh, how's it going, guys? Yeah. Hey, uh, how about Captain Trips, Jerry Garcia? Captain Trips is nice because that was actually an earned name. Whereas some of these are just homages, he actually was the captain of all tripping. It fits very yeah. well, too. He looks like a captain. But the problem would be, like, suppose you were tripping with those guys, and then he's like, all right, I gotta go see this chick. You're like, no. The captain's gotta stay here. You're, the, you're, you're Captain Trips. Get us to shore. Uh, John and Philly, you're on Ron and Fez. Hey, Ronnie B. Uh, this is a no-brainer. Fez Watley with Faggot of the Opera. Uh, that was Fez's nickname uh, for Al Dukes. And I remember being uh, incredibly offended by that fez. Yeah, it is an offensive term, and I don't use it anymore. I've used it in the past, but Al Dukes, rest assured, I will not use that ever again. Uh, here is Don in Jersey. You're on Run Fez. Hey, boys. Yeah. Got to go with uh, got to go with the Duke, man. Nobody takes John Wayne. That's great. Now, now here's an interesting thing. I mean, John Wayne, uh, American cowboy. The Duke is like some kind of British royalty, not even a, a, a leader. You know what I mean? A Duke is almost like saying the rich nephew. <laughs> you know, a Duke, if somebody's like a Duke in real life, you're like, a lottie die, you fucking <laughs> pussy. You know, what a lucky birthday you had. 
and yet they gave that to John Wayne. It just doesn't, it never seemed like it fit to me. Well, maybe it was like a derivative of put your dukes up. So it was like the fist. Maybe. I've never heard it explained. So it's like a duke, you know, and he was always punching somebody. But I've never heard anybody called the fist. <laughs> <laughs> that was the band. That was the name for the super group. All right, I, got one, I got one for you, I, and I like this one a lot because it's not for one person. It's for two, and two people that happen to be in a band that already has a nickname. And I'm talking about the Glimmer Twins. Mick and Keith, yeah, when they're already in the Rolling Stones. Yeah, that's awesome. Which was the only band to have that nickname, greatest rock and roll band in the world. That <laughs> was, It wasn't enough to be the Rolling Stones. You also had the nickname, greatest rock and roll band in the world. And the funny thing is, when you get like King of Late Night or greatest rock and roll band in the world, people just tend to catch on. They don't give it out to someone else, you no. know? It's almost like no one ever. Leno was number one for all those years, but you didn't call him the king of late night. They still no. called that the, the Carson. <laughs> so I, when you have a title like that, you don't lose it. Hmm. Uh, Boswell in Toronto, you're on Run of Fez. Yeah, what about the man in black, Johnny Cash? Great nickname. That's phenomenal. Uh, and he was, he was the man in black. It's going to limit you if you one day decide, I'd like to wear, you know, something green. Have you ever known a guy who said, I'm wearing all black and now I'm out of it? Doesn't happen. Look at Earl Douglas. Now, did the man black come before the song yeah. or after? So he, he, he built a song based on his nickname. He wanted to get away from fat. So he was like, people ask me why I dress in black. Uh, and then he you know, came up with it. But those country guys will write fucking songs about you know, the most mundane things ever. <laughs> they don't give a shit. Um, here's uh, Greg California. You're on my fez. Hey, how about Davy Crockett, King of the Wild Frontier? Perfect nickname. Again, another king, and now you can't dispute it. You know, and he's got his territory. He's still King of the Wild Frontier, yeah. even though after all these years, Davy, Davy Crockett. Good song too. Uh, king of the Wild Frontier. Uh, Rhonda, Georgia, you're on Fez. Hey. Hey, darling. Um, I'm not sure what happened with the other fellow that that gave his kidney to his father-in-law. Yeah. But I did a transplant with my husband on May 5th at Emory, and we had to go through testing for a whole year to make sure I matched him perfectly, all kind of blood tests and things. And they didn't say anything to me about modifying my diet or what I drank or ate, so that they said the remaining kidney actually gets larger and takes the place of two. So Ooh. I don't know what that, if that guy's having trouble, he might want to, you know, go back and have something checked. <laughs> now, you gave up your kidney, Rhonda? To my husband, right. We've been married 25 years, and he was on dialysis for three. So. Ooh, wow, best check ever. Best chick ever. Yeah, he's got to keep me That's now, I guess. Uh, Rhonda, we're going to give you one of these beautiful roses from uh, Stephen Singer also. Oh, thanks. That goes You're to you. You're a sweetheart. All right. Uh, make sure you get her name and information. Because the least I can do is give her a glass of rose. And by the way, this the other kidney gets twice as big. That's bullshit. <laughs> That's something they tell you to get you to do it. I feel my kidney growing back there. <laughs> Was it Sea Monkey? Um, Jack in New Jersey, great nicknames. Uh, hey, boys, how about the killer, Jerry Lee Lewis? Uh, the killer is a great nickname because he actually is. <laughs> yeah, that's and, more of an actual statement. Well, you know, that, um, you know, we talked about sports guys have great nicknames, but then the mafia guys always oh, had perfect nicknames. Phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, um, Babyface. You know, and wasn't there Vincent the Chin, which is Vinny the Chin, yeah. uh, Gigante? Yeah, that was Vinny the Chin. 
Which I don't know if I would like that. And I don't know why Leno has never been, you know, Jay Leno the chin. <laughs> he should be. Um, pretty boy Floyd. Big Paul Castellano, just because he was 6'4". He was Big Paul. Yeah, they always had terrific nicknames over there. Uh, Bill in Jersey, you're a man of Hey, buddy. Yeah. Got, uh, Bruce Lee was known as the Dragon. Uh, he was the Dragon. Now, I wonder if that was before Enter the Dragon. I would think that that was based on his movie character. I mean, it's not like we keep calling... Harrison Ford, Han Solo. But we do have Tiny Zeus Lister. <laughs> yeah. When right. he played the character <laughs> yeah, of Zeus. Yeah. yeah. And I'd like to call him Tiny Zeus Debo Lister. <laughs> he has two names because Tiny yeah. can't be his name. Tiny God isn't his name. name. Right. Ridiculous. Um, but fantastic actor. <laughs> Just a phenomenal actor. And in the future, he'll be president of the United States. <laughs> I saw that in Fifth Element. Um,. Blowfish has uh, come up with an interesting one. Go ahead, Blowfish. Hey, guys. Uh, yeah. What about uh, Chris Berman calling himself Boomer instead of uh, taking it from uh, Boomer Esiason? And, and David Wells an goes by Boomer, so that's a weird... They, three guys, three prominent sports figures, all now in sports media, right. sharing the name Boomer. Because uh, uh, David Wells works for TBS. But I have a problem with that because Boomer Esiason got there first. Yeah, I, I su assume And him. he should be the Boomer. And when you're Chris Berman, you, it's not like, oh, I took that nickname by mistake. You know there's a Boomer out there. Did he say he took it by mistake? No, I mean, but he's using it anyway. I mean, Boomer Esiason's been using that since he was in a college. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so that's kind of odd. Uh, Boomer is something you get when you're ashamed of your real name when you're a kid. Uh, now, the they were bringing up a sports announcer that Regis is friends with, a New York guy, that he calls Akak. -Ak. Who the hell is he talking about? Um, could be uh, uh, Bob Ackerman. But I can't imagine Regis, because Bob Ackerman is Well, a... Regis had him on his show the other day to do, like, a dating game with him. And he's going, i got to get Akak. Ak was he mid-30s? And I, but, I, No, I didn't watch the show. Oh. I just saw the early part of it. And he's going, my friend from New York, Akak, Ak, is coming in. I go, is Anthony coming? <laughs> what the hell is going on here? There's a guy, excuse me, the guy's name is Rich Ackerman. I can only imagine that that's him. I think that's him. Yeah, Rich Ackerman uh, does some for WFN, local New York uh, channel. Stay well, Regis loves him. Regis adores the Well, it's man. odd because he's more of an update guy. He's not an actual, like, host. I, you know, but maybe Re uh, Regis met him at a Yankees game or whatever. That, could be any reason. Uh, Jeff in Louisiana, you're on a Fez. Yeah, I was called a redheaded stranger, Willie Nelson. Again, named after one of his albums. It's almost like a, um, you know, a Ziggy Stardust type deal. But it's a perfect nickname. All right, now Tom says he knows the story behind John Wayne's nickname. Hey, bodies. Yeah, uh, when John Wayne was a little kid, he delivered newspapers with his dog. His dog's name was Duke, and the local firemen called him Big Duke and Little Duke. Doesn't even make sense. <clears throat> now, here's the weird thing I don't understand from people. If you get some nickname that you don't like, right, why do you keep carrying it thrown throughout your life? Because I've had uh, guys who, like, I'll meet them, and they'll go, you know, oh, you know, my name is George, but everybody calls me Puddentane. 
And I'm like, well, they're not here. So <laughs> there's no reason for me to start calling you fucking Puddentane. You can be George with me. He goes, nah, Puddentane's fine. <laughs> no, I'm not going to be fucking, you're trying to give yourself a nickname to me. I don't want any fucking part of it. Right, okay. If I come up with a nickname, that'll be your nickname with me. But I shouldn't have to follow you with some kid did 35 fucking years ago in your neighborhood. That's between you and them. Yeah. You see so many people, they'd rather be their nickname. Um, here's uh, Terry. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, let's go old school with this one. How about uh, Satan's nickname, the Prince of Darkness? Maybe the first of all nicknames. Well, he's famous, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, Beezlebub is the one I prefer for Satan. But if uh, I think that one is actually his name somewhere. That's a literal thing? I think so. I mean, right, fall, like Lucifer. Fallen Angel. No one ever called him that, but they did call him the Prince of Darkness. Okay. Uh, Steve, you're on Manifest. Hey, guys. I think it kind of goes with what kind of genre it's in, too. Like uh, the old West, you had Billy the Kid. Um, with, like, um, Pirate, you had Blackbeard. Well, here, like here's, uh, you, you come up with a, a, a great one. And let's go to Blackbeard, right? How many guys you think had Blackbeards? You know what I mean? Quite a few. And then he gets the name Blackbeard, and everybody knows who you're talking about. You got to be a motherfucker to be able to pull that off. <laughs> um, obviously, in baseball, lefty. If you say, now, the amount of left-handed pitchers, amazing. But if I say lefty, who am I talking about? Steve Carlton. The only one who gets lefty. Fucking crazy when you think about it. I mean, there's a couple others, but you think of Steve Carlton. He, like, he would be, if we were playing Family Feud, that would come in at like fucking 89%. That would be number one. Now, that's, it's probably not as much, but if you were known as righty, you know what I mean? It's just <laughs> fucking crazy when you think about it. Right. Uh, Greg's got a real good rock and roll one. Greg, you're on a fest. Uh, hey, boys. Uh, how about God, also known as Eric Clapton? Eric Clapton. Clapton is God. Yep. That's that. Famous graffiti. Famous mural right there. And you're not going to be able to beat that, because you can't come up with a better nickname than God <laughs> for somebody. <laughs> God That's a fucking one. perfect nickname. No wonder he stole Super George Harrison's check. <laughs> uh, James. James in Chicago. You're on my face. Hello, guys. Uh, Joey Iupa was also known as Joey Bats. Joey Bats. murder weapon. Now, here's the interesting thing. Most guys in the mafia have beaten somebody with a bat. Joey's the only one who's Joey Bats. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and speaking of a Joey, Joey Pantalone, uh, the guy from Matrix, Joey Pant Pantalones, or we just call him Joey Pants. I, I always forget his wizard. Yeah, but that's name a play off his last name. I know, but that's still, it's, I think it's still, still legit. Well, it's not too legit. I mean, I would quit if I had to. Okay. Um, no, we're staying away from the sports next names. Uh, Billy's come up with a brand new one. Billy, how are you? Hey, Ron, what's up, man? Yeah. Uh, a new one, yeah. Mike, the situation from Jersey Shore. Now, here's the funny thing about Mike. Go back to the first uh, episode and see how fucking many times he forced the term situation yeah. into things. He was dying. And again, he started telling people, everyone calls me the situation. Yeah, I'm the situation. He went around saying his friend said it, but the friend wasn't fucking there at the time. <laughs> right. No one else would have called him situation. Yeah, but he kept saying it. You're right. And then pretty soon, the rest of the people. And, then, and, th and, th and that also has so much to do with fucking Italians. And if you're an Italian, 
you got to fucking be careful what you're doing till you get your nickname. Because if you're suddenly, you know, scratching your ass, then you're fucking Bobby asses, you know. <laughs> but here comes Nicky Itchy. You know, you got to be very careful. Then if you get your nickname, you're free to do whatever. Right. But don't call some of those guys, you know, Skinjili, because that's what they happen to be fucking eating that day. Be very careful if you're Italian. Yeah. Um, here is Darren in Indiana. You're on Fez. Hey, Rodney, i got to give you credit for this one. How about the Clinton brothers? The Clinton brothers is the nickname that I had uh, for, of course, uh, the, the president and now secretary of state because they're not like a married couple. They're like two crazy brothers, and if you fight one, you're fighting them both. <laughs> in my neighborhood, I don't even want to say I'm going to just say it quietly. If you would have to think to yourself, can I beat up that whole family? Okay. You know, it would be better take the shot, fucking fall down on the ground, than win a fight that is never going to end. It'll be fucking Hatfields and McCoy time. Right. Because you're fighting an entire family. Yeah, that's rough. I'm telling you, if they came in here now, I'd climb a fucking fence to get away from them. <laughs> I'd go, I'm not, dignity is out the window, I'm going up the flagpole and staying there until they leave. Um, Peter, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, uh, best radio personality nickname is Snowball Watley. Fez got that on from, of course, some of the many things. You, but you picked up a lot of nicknames over the years. A lot of nicknames, see? And that's how, when you don't like a nickname, that's how it's still able to keep going years and years later. Somebody will always remember the bad nickname. Well, you've you've had like 60. Right. Yeah. And that one of them, uh, what's that? Tappy. Oh, Tappy, because he was constantly Bowl tapping the foot. Bowl of gravy. <laughs> These go on and on. <laughs> got them right on the tip of your tongue, don't you? <laughs> well, I... I remember things. What is your favorite out of all of them, though, Fez? <laughs> um, I think the big cat. After I adopted a cat and picked up big cat, I think that's the best one. Hmm. Sad that that's something that you're proud of. Mike in Jersey's got another great uh, rock nickname. Yeah, uh, one for the ladies, Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin. That's great. And then, of course, we have the godfather of soul, James Brown. They should have hooked up. All right, um... This was even a pre-rock nickname that is absolutely terrific, The Velvet Fog. The man's voice was so smooth, oh. it was The Velvet Fog. You don't know it, Dave? I don't know Fezzi, it. Fezzi, you should know this one. I know this one. What do you got? Mr. Mel Torme. Mel Torme. Oh. He was... It was like a fog of velvet awesome. rolled in <laughs> when the man started to sing. That's great. He name. did that uh, Seinfeld episode. Oh, yeah. No, I know who Mel Torme is, but I didn't know that that was his nickname. Velvet Fog. The reason why? His voice filled the room with a fog made of velvet. <laughs> he never liked to sing words, right? You know, he was just like, yeah, ba 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 ba. Well, he would do some of that. Let's play a little Mel Torme. What do we have by him, uh, Hicks? If you're looking at. Because uh, did he have a signature song? I think he did. I think he did, but I can't remember what it was. He used to do a lot of appearances on that show Night Court, too. Well, that was long after he, he was the Velvet Fog. The Velvet Fog was based just on his singing career. But I know that he had some kind of signature tune that was just his. And just, well, you look at him, here's another great thing about him. Wherever he went, he's wearing a tux. He could show up at a fucking 7-Eleven 
in the middle of the day, he's got a tux on. Um, they say the Christmas song is. Uh, oh yeah, his, his classic the, yeah. Song. I play the Christmas song. Everybody will know this. Uh, you'll you'll still hear this every single uh, Christmas. And by the way, folks, if you get the opportunity, get yourself a nice tux and wear it everywhere, because <laughs> it'll be appreciated. Things were so much classier back then. Well, they had to be. It was a different time. Now, this, of course, is not the song. He needs a little time before he gets to the song. All right. He's got to tell backstory. Sure. Feel the velvet fog all around us? The fog's building. Rolling in. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. That's smooth as velvet. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. You can't stay awake and listen to Mel Torme. I feel like putting Being a candle on right now. Lighting a candle. Up like it's too much. Too velvety. The other guy who likes to wear a tux everywhere, Rickles. Likes to just, uh, Show up on stage in a nice tux. How are you, everybody? Everyone's like, oh, that's classy. But think about it. He tours the whole country wearing the same fucking tux. Well, it's less classy than anyone when you really think about it. He's got the one tux, so I'm sure he dry cleans it. The rest of the day, he's probably just sitting around wearing an old fucking 1970s tracksuit. <laughs> just wondering when the tux is coming back from the cleaner so he can go out. You got the tux. <laughs> it's weird. It's like anyone who lived from the 70s just kept like a lot of... That wardrobe, the it hairstyles. The most yeah, it was the most comfortable clothes ever. If you see like a 60-year-old guy who played baseball in the 70s, he still has the mustache. Yeah, right. Never, it's like... Never gets just, rid of it. 30 years have passed, pal. Well, there is a... You know, no matter how old you are, I mean, no matter how out of fucking style a mustache is, if you get older, you can get away with it. Yeah. You know, once you get to that grandpa page, grow yourself a nice big thick yeah. mustache. It looks very dignified. Now, people make fun of the mustache, but Dave and Fez are wearing one now, except for you have a beard. With beard, it. right. You know, so That's suddenly the they're acting, no one acts like, that mustache looks like shit. But if you guys shaved and walked around with your mustaches, people would never <laughs> fucking leave you alone. It's true. Well, it looks silly. Though the the the, uh, the mustache, except that like in the Wild West, it's just you well. Know. That's the problem. It looks like a stereotype. Unless you're in a western, it looks like there's no need to have one now. Well, you know, it goes back and forth too with the sideburns. They won't leave men alone over sideburns. Either they're too short or they're too long. Right. And there are times in your life you're going, why didn't I have any sideburns in this picture? <laughs> and then there's another picture you're going, what the fuck is with those great big gods them sideburns? You're never fucking comfortable of where the hair should stop on the side of your head. Yeah, I was never a good judge of my own. No, it it's was, impossible. I, I either had Brian Bosworth or some kind of crazy, you know, pork chop thing going on. Mine were always too thick. I could never get a thin, like, Beverly Hills 90210 sideburn. Why would you? You were 40 when that came out. <laughs> Stylish. Uh, Jeremy in Cleveland, you're in Manifest. 
Hey, I'm going back to World War II. Two great rivals. He had Patton, Old Blood and Guts, and the Desert Fox, Rommel. Yeah, that was a great one. The Desert Fox was uh, a terrific uh, nickname. That was when the generals were the stars. Yeah, they were. They were big you know, time. Over I mean, there. you had Monty, and you know, I guess that's his name. Now, but... look, uh, the problem now, we have too many generals. If you found out how many generals were in the military, you're like, General is nothing. Yeah, I don't know. I can, I can barely tell you. One. I mean, I still think of like General Schwarzkopf. You know, he's they, retired. They throw it around like the VP thing that we have here. But you ever watch Fox News or CBS News and, and when a battle's going on, and everybody has their own generals just coming in and out. You're like, I'm a retired general. Yeah, well, I'm a you? retired general. Well, everybody is. <laughs> you can fucking go to boot camp, do four years, come out, and probably leave as a general now. <laughs> It's too much. Well, I mean, to me, I mean, like that politics, like Tricky Dick. Tricky is great. That's a yeah, great one. But you don't want it for yourself. No, no, you don't want to be called it, Tricky. That was his name. But then after you're like, yeah, it's fucking pretty cool. I just <laughs> always put on Well, it's so bad. Like you know, he's kind of like a, a, a con man. All right, why don't we do a break here? Uh, we'll be right back with something that's obviously uh, we've got in this debate yesterday, and we'll uh, pick it up, and that's the greatest live album of all time the greatest of all live albums because the funny thing about a live album is 90% of them blow maybe even 95% of them are just a throwaway yeah like all right we owe them an album we haven't written shit just fucking record the next show and let them fucking put it out and then some bands that have been around for a while they'll have like four or five fucking live albums it just drives you nuts uh, we'll be back to pick up this debate at Serena Fesha. I'm going to do a terrific show today, and I'm going to help people because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Serena Fez show. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, we got into this debates about uh, live albums the other day, and I was always a big fan of uh, the Jay Giles live albums because I never thought that that band got ever captured properly in the studio. There's some bands that are just really live bands, the Jay Giles band. What about for you, David? Mike? The Who Live at Leeds is uh, major maybe, album. Is one of my favorites because. Um, they were playing substitute, playing their their mid sixties things, but also foreshadowed Tommy with uh, quick one while he's away. That medley is one of the greatest things ever. Uh, also, the interesting thing there is that was a band back in the day that was always considered better late, uh, live, and then like after who's next, then it kind of you know overshadowed their live stuff. Yes, uh, Hicks. What about for you? Uh, I'd have to go with the band. Thanksgiving. I, I, you guys put me onto it. Is well, that right? Yeah, coming into it. it was, and that's seriously just sick. Pretty awesome. I'm surprised to hear you say that because Hicks is a fan of one of the best, well, I would say only really great live album, in my opinion, of any of the 50s guys, and that's the Jerry Lee Lewis live thing from Germany, where he's just fucking ripping it up. Just tearing it the fuck up. That was a sick album, man. And that might be the first really great live album ever done. And it's kind of, uh, you know, somewhat forgotten about because, of course, he wasn't part of that whole big 60s uh, push out there. Mm -hmm. um, 
Kent, Kent, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, guys. Yeah. Um, may not be the most critically acclaimed, but ACDC Live, uh, everybody I knew had that when CDs first came out. Well, it's kind of interesting, too, because that's one of those bands that when you go to see them live, you're actually like, this is a fucking better band than I thought. Yeah, you know? the ACDC Live is so good that you like you don't almost need to buy the rest of the ACDC catalog. Um, Akiva, you're on Ron and Fez. Hey, how you doing, I think the greatest live album of all time, and not also the best album of all time, is Eric Clapton Unplugged, 1992. Uh, the uh, Unplugged thing was so big there for a, a while in the early 90s, and I don't know how MTV let that get away from them, other than the fact that I guess they just did so many of them. They're doing it again, but they're not. They're with nobodies, no names. And yeah, because Neil Young did a masterpiece unplugged, and so did Nirvana. I mean, the Nirvana unplugged is one of the greatest things ever. And then you had to, they got to the point where everybody felt like they had to do one. Right. You know? Uh, and then compete. And then they start to cheat a little bit where everything wasn't unplugged. And, you know, just it's unplugged. <laughs> you want to do it or don't you? <laughs> Um, here is, uh, Tom in New York. You're on my face. Lou Reed, Rock and Roll Animal. I'm a huge fan of that, uh, uh, that album as well. Fantastic fucking live album. And the Sweet Jane thing takes like seven minutes before it actually starts. The guitars. Yeah. yeah just, really, it's like seven, almost like Boston sounding at first. But then, yeah, the live version of that kicks ass. Yeah. And heroin on that album I like better than the, uh, the studio stuff. Uh, rock and roll is a fucking great yeah. song on there too. Um, let's go over to uh, Calvin. Calvin, you're on the Run of Fest show. Yeah, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, Four Way Street. Uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. That album was one of those things where it seemed like I don't know if the band was that interested in doing much besides a live album. You can see sometimes like people are like we want to capture this era, and then other times they're feeling like. Why don't we just give them a live album? <laughs> It'll be easier on everybody. Right. Uh, you don't have to deal with anything. Uh, here is um, Kevin. Kevin in Alabama, you're on my Uh Yeah, great live album. They're a great live band. It's uh, Rush, Exit Stage Left. Exit Stage Left. I think maybe the best title. I mean, if you're going to be quoting Snagglepuss <laughs> on an album title... You're off on something. Um, let's go over here to uh, Mark in Illinois. You're on a fez. Hey, boys. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Uh, yes, their first uh, live album that came out with Yes songs. That's just a great album. Are you tripping or not tripping? Because if you're tripping, obviously, you're going to think it's a, a great one. Uh, Matt, you're on a fez. Yo, it's up uh, live at Budokan by Cheap Trick. It's probably like their biggest album. It actually, they were one of those bands that that album was bigger for them than anything else they had ever done. And that's... Uh, I had Peter Frampton on not too long ago. Uh, and it was a really weird deal there because he was telling me he had done like four you know, solo albums. They all were selling like 250000 to 400000 They do the same stuff as a live album that he had been touring on. He goes on vacation. He comes back from 10 days and he's a giant star. He had no fucking idea it was coming. There was no reason for anyone to think... All right, well, let's do a live album. Then he gets back and, you know, restarts his career. But this is a way of kind of just summing up where he's been four albums in. That's pretty amazing. And it's one of those albums that people just fucking uh, went to. Bob Seger had an album like that where it, it seemed like the live stuff took off more 
than all the recorded stuff that he had done up to that point. It makes some sense, though. If you're a great band, your live albums, I always thought the music had more depth in them. Um, sometimes. Uh, Hagen has a good one here in Westchester. You're on the Run of show. I mean, Ronnie B., it's absolutely got to be fucking Allman Brothers live at Fillmore East. I mean, they are just shredding on that album. The, the uh, Liz Reed, Dwayne just kills it. He's got That's got to be his best solo on record for sure, and definitely one of the top top ten for sure solos of all time. And they shredded on that one. And I have listened to that album by the Allman Brothers way more than any other Allman Brothers album that I've ever had. You'll just fucking sit and listen to that over and over and over. It's fucking perfect in yeah. terms of capturing uh, the band live. Uh, live at Columbus is fucking unbelievably great live album. So a lot of times if people said you like live albums, I'm normally like, no. But then you start to, you know, when you start to go over it. And again, it's because most people have a million of them. And I don't know why anyone needs a Billy Joel live album. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> or a Wings live album. Right. Paul McCartney was always way better in the studio. I mean, that's what he fucking worked for, you know? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's. But, um, yeah, it's true. I mean, the Radiohead live album is okay. Uh, here is Pogo in Wisconsin. You're on the Run of Fest show. Yeah, Ronnie B. Uh, Leonard Skinner, one more from the road. That's... Uh... They had that, that just the, probably their best lineup ever. Uh, you know the three guitars. Um, man, uh, Ronnie Ronnie Van Zant on the album said he, he always performed barefoot because that way he could feel the stage burn. Well, uh, let me ask you this, Pogo. Did that be, come out before or after the plane crash? Because I can't remember right now. Before the plane crash, it was had, definitely before. They had, just, they had just added Stevie Gaines uh, to the uh, to the band as a guitarist, and his uh, sister Cassie was one of the backup singers who both died in the plane crash. But, uh, yeah, that was just a, a great album. Double album. Awesome. Yeah, I got confused because, like, with them and, of course, The Doors, they would just, they, you know, they still keep putting out live albums. They're always out. There's The Doors double album. There's Doors live at Madison Square Garden. And at a certain doors point... Doors at Hollywood Bowl. Yeah. At a certain point, you're like, why? Now, do you consider it to be fair game if it's a live album, but they compiled the tracks from four or five different shows? Well, you know, they've also, so many of these live albums are overdubbed anyway. Well, they'll even go back and, and, and lay tracks down. You're like, yeah, don't stop calling it live. Like, I think if you spend, like, a few nights at the Garden, that's totally fair. But if you, like, I love Pearl Jam, but but unfortunately, they took their live album over, like, a year's worth of shows. And I always thought that was kind of cheating. But then they also had that year that they put out, like, 250 live that albums. I preferred to their live album, though. Yeah. Their live album was a little weak, to be honest. And what gets into those people when they're like, I want to own all these same <laughs> songs over and over? That's, you're, you're, you're in freak territory. You're in stamp collecting baseball card shit at that point. I mean, I'm a Pearl Jam fan. I own like three or four of those, but that's it. That's all you need. Do, do some people own every single one yeah. of them? Oh, yeah. I, I know a, a lot of my friends. My friend Mike has every single one. Uh, Matt in uh, Knoxville, you're on Run of Fez. Uh, what's up, Ronnie B? Yeah. Uh, Grateful Dead, Europe, 1972. The quintessential live album for any Grateful Dead fan. Now, here's the thing. I love that album, too, but then if you bring it up, people get mad that you're not listening to all the bootlegs. I'm sorry, I'm not fucking bootleg boy running all over the place. You know, I, I gave the bootleg that they put out. I can't fucking help it. 
Uh, we're talking about Pearl Jam, but people do that with the dead where they need to own every fucking live mm -hmm. show they've ever done. Damn and fish. You know, it's not, you know, Sacramento's not going to change that much from fucking Santa Fe. Um, let's go over here to, uh, uh let's go to Virginia call. You're on a Fez. Hey, what's up, Ronnie? Hey, I gotta say, uh, Neil Young Rust, man. That's a oh. fantastic album. Well, you've got the, fantastic. uh, where he did, like, acoustic on one side and live on the other. Yep. He does, uh, Hey, Hey, My, My, yeah, both ways. The His performance of Tonight's the Night is definitely my one of my favorite three or four Neil Young performances ever. Ever. It's just so fucking awesome. And yet that album never really gets brought up much. Yeah, it's great though, and and um, the needle and the damage done. I like that better on that than on the album. Well, that's a bold statement. I'm gonna say it. Uh, let's go over here to uh, Andrew. You're on the Ron Fez show. Hey, Ronnie B. Yeah. How about uh, you know it was pretty big back in the '70s. Uh, Todd Rungren, back to the bars. There were certain songs on that album, like he does that whole Motown medley. It's 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 unbelievable. It's just him and the piano, you know, a little bit with the band, and then there are certain you know, songs that are performed live that they're ten times better in the studio. Um, and also, you know, he's a guy whose voice can come through. There's a lot of people that don't sound like they do on the album. Many! Well, that was uh, the criticism of Axel, is that his voice was never good live. And I, I would say that's true from 93 on. You know, I'm still a fan, but I mean, in not 87, as much a fan. No, I'm saying is it in Are they your 12th favorite band now? <laughs> no, in '87, his voice sounded great, so you can't say that. Uh, let's go over to Brian. Brian, you're on my face. Ronnie, hey, how you doing? Good. I got a fuck for you. Um, old, old George from uh, Little Feet Live. Uh, yeah. Well, there, there's a couple of those I brought up. The Waiting for Columbus stuff. Um, brilliant, brilliant live band. Ridiculously brilliant ride, Ben. Here's our good friend Heather in Tampa. You're on Run Fez. This song is not a rebel song. This song is Sunday, Bloody Sunday. <laughs> Again, that band put that that album put that band over probably more than anything in the early days. Yeah, especially because MTV played the shit out of those live performance, those live videos. Yeah, and that there weren't really because of the '80s and all the studio shit that they were doing. There weren't a lot of people that were fucking ripping it up. You know, at that time, nobody that MTV was playing. No. You know, no. most of the people that MTV was playing, you'd go to their concert and go like this. This is uh, not as good. <laughs> uh, Rich. Rich in, in Boston, you're in my face. Hey, guys. I got to go with uh, Paul Simon's Concert in the Park. See, I, I disagree with that one, too, because you're not going to ca capture those intimate kind of sounds. In Central Park. Well, it depends. If it's if he's talking Paul Simon 1990 or Simon Garfunkel, I love the Simon Garfunkel 1980 Central Park because that was a, their reunion. That was very special. Yeah, but again, that would be special to be there, not as special to you to listen to while you're driving in your car. You don't ever hear anybody going on a radio station, let's do the live cut of that. <laughs> I mean, just think of how many, you worked in radio where they're telling you, stay away from the live shit. Yes. It fucking turns people off because it just doesn't sound as good. So, yeah, if you want to be there and be sentimental about it, sure. But if you're just listening to the songs, you're better off going back and listening to their studio stuff. Uh, here's our buddy Kevin in Portland. Hey, Ronnie. How are you? Good. 
Good. Um, giant Suits and a great album, um, Talking Heads, Stop Making Sense. Uh, I just wish we could stop bringing up the Giant Suit. <laughs> I really do. Great uh, album, though. Jay and Dallas, Sherman and Fez. Hey, buddy, what's going on? Hey, I got the the Clash from Here to Eternity. Oh, that that is awesome. That is a, a great, great album. live album. Yeah, I think that represents the Clash so well. It's great. It's awesome. It's so it's so good. I think in any ways it helped me to kind of understand the Clash a little bit more that I didn't get from their studio album. It's it's fucking phenomenal stuff. Yeah, it really is, and it's so exciting, you know. And just to hear the Clash, it it, it didn't come out till '99 too. That album, that live album, it was like just hidden away for fucking a, a couple decades. Uh, Eric, Minnesota, you're on my Uh, Dude, Stevie Ray Vaughan, live at Elmo Combo, although I don't think it was actually released as an album. I think it might have just been recorded on video. Yeah, I, as soon as you said it, I wasn't that fucking familiar with it. But, of course, Stevie Ray was such a great live player. And another one of those guys that that's where you really need it to connect to that music, right. you know? It's so, yeah, it's it's unbelievable. He was a phenomenal guitar player. Can't pull, pull it off from there. It's oh. impossible. Oh, yeah. Um, here's Fred Hoboken. What? Hey, what's going on, guys? I don't know if this is up your alley, but uh, Dave Matthews live at Red Rocks. Unbelievable album. I mean, just an unbelievable band live. Uh, probably all the best stuff is done live as opposed to on an album. What frat were you in? Uh, no, I actually wasn't in a frat. I just got really into it while I was in college, and I, I still hang on to it. Uh, let's go to Chris. Chris, you're on the Run of Fest show. Ronnie B. Yeah. What's up, man? Well, uh, Humble Pie, live at the Fillmore. Uh, Humble Pie was another one of those really fucking great live bands that most people don't know. Uh, never really got over as a mass appeal uh, band. But uh, one of those English boys playing the Black Man's Blues. Loving it. Great shit. I don't know. I mean, if you're going to do a, a live thing, that's where a fucking guitar really matters to you. That's where you really do want to hear the And um, when you do the live thing, the keyboard and the piano sounds great on the live. That's when, if you have a piano player in your band, it really sounds jammy. Like, sometimes you don't need a piano player. Like the Mad Dogs and Englishmen stuff with yeah. Leon? Yeah. And even modern bands. You know, Pearl Jam doesn't include a piano player in their uh, studio sessions, but they do when they do a live thing. Um, Russ and Austin, you're on Fez. Another band who really emphasizes the piano in their live show and had a great live album recently is Wilco's Kicking Television, their two-night stand in Chicago. That's I, your that's your boys. I love them, and I, I think that if there's a, a band that you could say is a modern version of the band, it would be Wilco. Kind of that, you know... That's a bold fucking statement, dude. I don't even think Wilco would say that. Uh, I think... No, I mean, I think Jeff Tweedy would look up to the band. Way up. <laughs> <laughs> they're very, you know, multi-instrumentalists. They're all very talented musicians. They make uh, incredible sounds, but have an old, old-timey old feel to them. I think that's a good analogy. You love them. There's no getting around I it. I love Wilco. Well, you, you only have four bands, but you love them all madly. Just absolutely crazy. Yes. All right, we're going to break here. Yeah. We'll be right back. It's the Ron Fest Show. All right, Ron and Fez show, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Oh, hey, Doug, what are you uh, doing? I'm listening to the Ron and Fez show, Kenneth. Hey, I love the Ron and Fez show, Doug. So do I, goddammit.
Okay, okay, I'm just saying. How do we get in touch with them, anyway? You fucking call them! 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ Asshole. Repeat after me. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ Okay, Doug, well, thanks a lot for the info. I'm not fucking done. Okay. Email them, Kenneth, you jizmop, at ronandfez at AOL.com. Or you can instant message the show at Ron and Fez on AIM, you dickbag. Oh, okay, Doug. Well, thanks a lot. I really Shut the shit up and go visit them on the internet at myspace.com slash Ron and Fez show. Or the unofficial Ron and Fez website, ronfez.net. Cool. Well, again, Doug, thank Fuck you. Fuck you, Kenyon. Ronnie B. Fezzy W. Ron and Fez. Serious 197. XM 202. The virus. We're back. It's the Ron and Fez show. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. So we were having that conversation about greatest live albums of all time. Uh, during the commercial break, uh, we get a call from our buddy Liam in booking who says, greatest live album all time, get your yayas out. Very, very difficult to argue with that one. Fantastic live album. Uh, and then Liam says to us, and we can get uh, Mick Taylor on the phone from England, the uh, finest musician who has ever played with the Rolling Stones. If you listen to that album or all the songs from that period of the Rolling Stones, these are the classic Rolling Stones uh, songs, the classic musicianship, and on the phone right now, we have Mick Taylor. How are you, sir? I'm I'm okay. I'm I'm doing pre I'm pre doing pretty good. I'm not too clever at the moment because I'm recovering from uh, pneumonia. But um, you know these things happen. It's winter. It is uh, it, winter in England. I guess it's very difficult to even survive that. Most of the uh, island doesn't make it. It's difficult to survive anywhere these days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a much better off than the poor people in Haiti. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, yeah. So, uh, yeah, the great. So the great. Yeah. Well, it, it is a lot of people's favorite Stones live Stones album. Yeah. Well, you know the interesting thing about that too, Mick, is the that era of the Rolling Stones is the era that still is played everywhere on classic rock, and it's the, the Mick Taylor well, era. Yeah, well, it is classic rock, yeah. That, that, album, that album, actually, uh, which was mostly recorded, I think it was nearly all recorded at Madison Square Garden, Right, was actually on my very first tour with the uh, Stones in 1960, in the winter of 1969. So, of course, we had the, you know, we had the... Um, we had the sort of uh, 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 great experience of uh, playing, uh, well, for me and I guess the rest, rest of the band, we stayed and toured for a while in the States. We had the wonderful experience of playing to a whole new audience, on a bigger audience. And then we had the awful experience of uh, uh, playing at Altamont at the end of that tour. So. Now, was that your first trip to America? Had you been to America before? Oh, no, 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 I, 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 no, 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 I, I, I was a seasoned, seasoned veteran yeah. of the American scene before I joined the Stones. No, I, I toured America with John Mayall. Right. So, but uh, when you're playing with John Mayall, you're seeing kind of, I guess, a whole different way of looking at America than you are rolling around with that big Rolling Stones machine. 
Not really, not really. I, I mean, not, not in those days. I, I mean, obviously there was a huge difference because I played in clubs and theatres with John Mayle, but he had, he, you know, because of uh, his association with Eric Clapton and Cream and everything, who were also immensely popular at the time. Um, yeah, or any any English blues guitar player was uh, tended to be revered and... Uh, um, uh, worshipped, you know, and uh, I think, uh, and, and the Stones were incredibly popular anyway because they've been make, making fantastic records since uh, I think the first really big hit record they had in the States was Satisfaction. So it, it was, yeah, it was a good time, yeah. But it was it was really like the first really big rock tour, I think, that tour that the Stones did, that it was bigger, it was. yeah. It was, it was, yeah, it was their first, yeah, because they've done huge, you know, much bigger tours since, since they reinvented themselves in the, after Steel Wheels and decided to go back on the road again, but, um, yeah, yeah, it was actually their biggest, I think, yeah. And when that, when, when that tour came out, and like you said, it was this gigantic thing in 69, there was so much happening, but did you have, uh, extra pressure on you, uh, of course, replacing... No pressure at all. I, I, I've never, I've never, I, I've never, um, felt pressurized, uh, when I'm, uh, on the road and playing music. Mm-hmm. Never. When you're playing music, you've always been totally confident, totally comfortable with it. Uh, on stage, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not always off stage. Uh, sometimes I can be moody. Sometimes I can be a bit aggressive. And sometimes I talk too much. But uh, <laughs> this will not be one of those occasions. Well, you were kind of known, you know, at that time as being kind of, uh, at least quite, your, your quite, personality was in the background. Okay, quite, quite, quite. Quiet, soft-spoken, and angelic. Yes. Yeah, nothing could be further from the truth, really. But I, I suppose I did look like that. I mean, I've, uh, I, you know, I, I, well, I don't look, I don't even listen to that old music. Uh, I mean, with the greatest respect to you, I mean, I know it's classic rock and everything, but mm -hmm. I don't spend my time, you know, wallowing in, in that kind of nostalgia. But, uh, yeah, when I see pictures of myself, yeah, I, I, I do sometimes think, what a handsome young man. Now, uh, at the time, uh, you when you're recording in Madison Square Garden, there was no way to know that that period being captured like that would still be talked about 40 years later. No, no, I mean, there was no way, to, no way of knowing that there'd even there'd still be a, a band called the Rolling Stones that was still... Uh, you know, still, uh, still together. You know, much to my amazement, but also my admiration as well, because it's, I mean, it's an amazing tribute to Mick Jagger, the way he's kept kept the whole thing to, 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 together, and uh, you know, very cleverly, uh, you know, sort of uh, steered them through some difficult times. Really, I mean, the Stones have always had difficult times in their their career, even before I joined. So. Yeah, I think it's a testament to him that they've um, they've survived and and uh, are probably still going to do one more tour for, for all I know. At least, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. At least one more. We're talking about Get the Yaya's out, and uh, it's being released now as a uh, box set. I just had this handed to me. When you go over some of these songs, uh, for me, I, I always thought this standout song uh, was Midnight Rambler. Yeah, well, that was one of the, one of the highlights uh, 
uh, of the show, yeah. Well, I mean, to the best of my, my uh, uh, memory, I think we used to do... Uh, we never never did sort of two-and-a-half-hour shows like they do now because mm-hmm. we didn't have such a vast sort of a, a catalogue of music to draw upon. Uh, but we did, yeah, we used to do maybe, maybe an hour and an hour and a half, and we stuck to more or less the same set, you know, and would sometimes include uh, songs from, you know, the latest releases like uh, Sticky Fingers or um, uh, Goat's Head Soup or whatever. But, uh, yeah, Midnight Rambler, Gimme Shelter from Let It Bleed were, were always in the set. And always and, and love in vain as well. Yeah, and always gigantic songs with the audience as well. I guess that. Uh, the, and for you, I guess this will be your chance to improvise the jam. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, well, yeah, but in a different kind of way, you know, in a more structured way. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, with John Mayer, obviously. I, we, I was just playing twelve bar blues, and um, he used to. You know, sometimes I didn't even know the song that we were playing. He just used to say, "Right, this is a shuffle in G." And he and we'd follow him, you know. Um, but but I mean uh, I mean I do remember playing things like "Don't Lie to Me," you know, song like a song, a Chuck Berry song, and stuff right. like that. And uh, so yeah, we sometimes yeah we we well we used to improvise a lot in the studio actually, which is how they all those records were made, were made really. Um, the studio albums, did you like doing those with the Stones, or was it uh, you know somewhat different from the way you're used to working? Well, obviously it's different from playing live, but uh-huh. um, yeah, yeah, we uh, see the period you're talking about. We, you know, it's was very intense creative activity. I mean, we were. Uh, and I, I say we because I still feel part of it in a, in a sort of um, in a way. Um, uh, we we were trying to make one one record every year and uh, and then go on the road to promote it. Uh, there was no MTV or anything like that then, so there was no um, uh, there was no videos or, or well, we did do some promotional videos, some of which uh, you still see on TV. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, it was it was great, you know. I mean, sometimes it could be a bit frustrating in the studio towards the end of the, 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 my time with the Stones, but um, by and large, no, it was great. I mean, I, I loved it. I loved it. You loved it, but then were able to walk away from it. Um, I was able to, yeah. Sometimes I wonder why I did that. Um, uh, but that's another story. But I guess, you know, even now, you know, like you're saying with the Stones, they'll do the tour, they'll do an album, and then take some time off. In those days, I, I imagine you didn't get a lot of time off. No, no, it was no, it was a, it was a sort of five-year rock and roll circus. I mean, re- literally, we... Uh, we uh, lived. Uh, we lived with each other almost. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, we lived in separate houses, but uh, you know, we lived in the south of France, and we lived. Uh, I lived in Ireland, and um, um, well, yeah, we lived in the south of France. And we made exile on Main Street there in Keith Richards' house. So yeah, it was a co- continuous, yeah, a continuous twenty-four hour a day. Um, you had to be on call 24 hours a day. One of the songs that it's always kind of legendary that uh, that you uh, writing with them was Moonlight Mile. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember when Mick wrote that song, actually. Um, 
and I, but I, I can't remember the year. But I, I, we were we were doing a show in England in um, um, in Bristol, the Colst, a place called the Colston Hall. Mm-hmm. And I remember travelling down on the train, and, and I, I remember him beginning to write it with on acoustic guitar in in the train carriage. Yeah. So it would just be a matter of him coming in and strumming a little bit and and giving you the melody and then you would well, run with it, it? Well, it varied. It varied. I mean, it, it, a lot of the material on Exile on Main Street, for instance, was just uh, made up, uh, made up, um, you know, in a, in, a, in a very much an improvised way in the, in, in the basement of Keith's house. Other albums, he, Mick would come in with a song that was pretty much... Uh, uh, done and dusted and finished you know so would it always kind of start with mick's idea though was it were, were other people in the band coming up with no him? no no not necessarily I, yeah. I, I would say that yeah the, most of the time it did yeah um him being the leader and, and, being, mm-hmm. and being the one you know the one that the, the best lyricist and and all the rest of it but i mean there's a song called happy that keith richard sure. does on the is it on exile on main street it is, isn't it? Yes, it is. Now, yeah, uh, well, yeah, well, that was just a riff that he he made up, and um, apparently went into the studio and recorded it. And I think the rest of us over overdubbed on it. But isn't it isn't it strange over the course of all these careers that all these like classic songs, these well known songs, all took place at that time? It seems like something almost magic was taking place. Well, uh, yeah, but I, I think yeah, well, yeah, but I think you could say that about lots of bands that reached their peak in the. 60s, 70s. Uh, you could say that about um, uh, the band, you know, Bob sure. Dylan's backing group. Sure, and uh, just about the same time. I mean, some people think The Last Wolf is the best live um, video stage show that's ever, ever been. Well, we were. Put out. Uh, it depends on people's taste. I mean, if you're talking about the Stones, though, yeah, I think the reason that um, Get Your Yaya's stands out so much is is because it was one of the few live albums that they 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 were able to release at the time and then also you you brought this up at the end of that tour the madness that was uh altamont yeah it was mad yeah it was a mad idea i don't know whose idea it was it certainly wasn't the stone's idea but we went went along with it and um and uh i don't think they've ever <laughs> ever repeated that mistake i i, I, I certainly certainly wouldn't as, as insane as it looks from like when we're watching the film you being there on stage had to really uh be a frightening spot knowing that this whole thing was coming unglued well um we just got on with it i mean in, in, some, in some ways we were too too scared to stop playing i mean it, it might have even been a worse situation if we had just put our instruments down and walked to, walked away from it all. Um, it all happened so quickly. It's kind of like a blur. I, I mean, especially trying to sort of um, look back on it after all these years. Even at the time, it, it just went by so quickly. All right, get your yayas out is now back out on CD, and it's also DVD. And along with the opening acts, which was BB King and. Uh, Ike and Tina Turner. It had to be really cool for you, being a young man touring around with B.B. Uh, King, I imagine. Oh, with B.B. King, it was great, yeah. yeah. I, and I've, I've played with him on other occasions since then, um, you know, here and there. But, um, yeah, that, that, that was another good thing about the Stones. They always tended to, to pay homage to their, 
their idols and, and other uh, and, and the the artists that inspired them, like Ike Tina Turner, BB uh, King. Yeah, we and we were talking about live albums, and you played with Lil George on, uh, and Little Feet. I uh, did, yeah, yeah, I, I did a, yeah, I, I played on um, Wait for, Waiting for Columbus. Yeah, I fantastic. Went to, went to see them at a place in London called um, uh, the, I think it was called the Finsbury Park Astoria. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, and. Uh, Lowell George came and played on my solo album uh, that was released on CBS or Columbia. I now Sony and uh, yeah, I played. I, I just went down to the show and played with him. Insane! All right, get your yayas out. Uh, is back out now on CD and DVD. Uh, bonus tracks. Mick Taylor, what an unexpected uh, pleasure to have the opportunity to talk to you. Better luck with your health, my friend. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I pray every day. All right. Take care of yourself. Thank uh, you. Mick Taylor. Wow, that's wild, huh, uh, Dave? Yeah, extremely wild. Moonlight Mile is, I've said it for years on this show, it's my favorite Stone song ever. Well, when you hear him playing on that, and it's like, no offense to Ronnie Wood, but uh, the musicianship that, that Mick Taylor had with the Stones, it didn't exist before or after, really. I mean, he was a phenomenal. Oh, uh, yeah. Phenomenal guitar. He was dynamic, and uh, Keith always calls him the one that got away. I well, think Keith knew that. Keith, the one you pushed away? <laughs> well, no offense, but <laughs> you were hard on that kid. Well, that's the way Keith was, you know. Doesn't look like us. <laughs> oh, Hicks has grabbed one of your favorite songs. I can say all this stuff I want to do. <laughs> And he co-wrote Sway, too. This, uh, of course, is... Well, this... I remember we talked about this. This was your idea of when the party's really over and everyone's yeah. just... And I think I chose this for a Very funeral nice. song, too. So, yeah. I always... This is my fallback. Yeah, you don't have a lot of choices. I just love this song. It's really... The one that got away, Rick Taylor. And Jagger must be the strongest man in the world because he's just, you know, loves so many other people <laughs> that were with him just in such bad shape. It's like a tornado coming through. <laughs> it's a great song. Just another man, man, on the road. I am just living.
Those guys really were peeking in. <laughs> Give me shelter off that live album. It's just fucking insane. Yeah. The sympathy for the devil, too. Yeah. It's... That's I like that better than the studio album, which is you almost know, impossible. I uh, and and it's no offense to Ronnie Wood, who's you know great and all, but and of course he looks like a stone. But when you give that up for this fucking you know for this music, here's uh, Peter, Massachusetts, you're on a fez. Yeah, this book came out a couple of years ago about the recording of Exile on Main Street in the south of France at Keith's house, and Mick Taylor. He wasn't allowed to stay at Keith's house. He had to stay an hour away with his pregnant wife. And he didn't have a driver's license. So that he would wait at his house for Keith to call him up and tell him it was time to record. And he'd make his fucking wife wake him up at 3 in the morning so his pregnant wife could drive an hour through these mountain roads to get to Keith's house. And then he would make him leave whenever he was done. He yeah. wouldn't let him fucking... Yeah, Keith was just crazy on heroin in those <laughs> days. I mean, Keith is Keith, and... He'll always get a free pass with me, but when you look at what what they had there, and why were they at the peak when they were all like fucking totally mad? Well, give me the give me shout instead, because you're always listening to sympathy on this fucking radio thing. Uh, the only person I think uh, could uh, that reminds me of playing like McTaylor. Who's that? Chevac. But uh, that's, you know, my own personal really? thing. He's a guy who loves the Stones. Yeah, Unlike I know. Unlike you. Who, he does, but... You know, you're all about goat's head soup, and that's it. <laughs> um, here's uh, Richie in Maryland. You're a manifest. Hey, what's up, Mr. B? Hey. Um, listen, I, I, it's kind of bizarre, but I was doing some research, and I found out that um, today, you know, Bill Richardson, he's on the end of his last term down in New Mexico as the governor. And they're building a spaceport. It, it, it's a. It's called Spaceport America, which is a retail um, uh, space project, so that people can fly out uh, to the space station as tourists. Yeah. And this is a reality. Is this uh, the thing Virgin is doing? Yeah, yeah. Virgin yeah. is involved. They gave them forty-two million dollars. Um, there's uh, like sixty-seven uh, uh, people that are already signed up. Uh, and they're uh, planning a launch in 2011, uh, March of 2011. People are going to be able to fly out to the space station and just hang out as a tourist if you have enough money. I, I just wanted to get your thoughts on, on this. And uh, I mean, it, it, It's obviously going to be the way of the future. I mean, it's almost like at one time people thought that airline travel would be insane. But the first people who took... You know, any kind of air trips were just like rich guys that were like, yeah, I've seen, I've heard about this stuff that they're doing. I'd be willing to pay a lot of money if you just take me up. And that's all this is going to be. It's not going to be a real trip. You're just going to see what it's like to go up that high and come back down. And I don't even think they're going to the space station. I think they're just going up, taking a good look at the, you know, at the earth from that angle and then slowly falling down. Why wouldn't you? I'd, just, I'd be just as scared on the flight out to New Mexico. You're not uh, all that comfortable with it. I had a uh, a rough uh, elevator trip with you today. You were acting crazy in the elevator. Elevators are the new phobia for me. It's like I've never been completely comfortable, but now it's just attack of the elevators.
Well, you the, said you were stuck in one the other day. Right, yeah. The one at my home I got stuck in. Well, that'll do it to you. You know, that's what it takes to have a phobia is to have a bad experience. Right. And, you know, the, the elevator phobia was always one where it's like, I never really understood it in somebody else. Right. You know, oh, it's a 30-second trip at most. You know, what's the big deal? And plus, you live in Manhattan where you have a lot of elevators. You're not going to go anywhere without elevators here. Yeah, every building's got one. But you live in a building. You're you're up high, so you're you're you know you want to go to the store to elevator rides for Fez. <laughs> so you can't have an elevator phobia because there's too much of it. It's like uh, so. How uh, I know is you were getting real bad today. Did you think that the elevator was coming apart? It feels like it starts shaking. It feel what it feels like. It feels like the bottom's coming out from under me. That's <laughs> that's the bad part. That might be the worst thing to think about for you. Now, when the elevators uh, got stuck on you, did you do a Bruce Willis and try to go up through the top? No, I crawled into a corner of the elevator and stayed put. If the elevator stops on you, are you Bruce Willis in that thing? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I'm going to try and make it one floor. You know, just go out, but yeah, open that thing up. Use like uh, use your machine gun to keep everything open. <laughs> Use the ladder. There's always a convenient ladder in an elevator shaft. Well, yeah, but you got to get into the shaft uh, easy enough. And then some of those things don't look like they even have the trap door up front. Well, most elevators don't look like that because I usually look at that when I get in the elevator. <laughs> or, <laughs> how do you get out of here? <laughs> right. Or it looks so tiny, it's like there's no way I'll ever squeeze my fat ass through there. Well, you're not that big. Jeez. You're going to fit through that. That was that. harsh. It's, a fucking, it's like you're climbing through a window. <laughs> I know you can get through a window. An elevator sticks, everyone's catching it, including myself. All right, let's take a break here. We'll come back and uh, start wrapping up the show. Fez, uh, you got a lot to talk about. And tonight is the last Kenan O'Brien show. And believe it or not, the guy's been just white heat all week. I don't know. Everybody should have a gun to their head before they work. Because you have a lot more fun when you know you don't give a shit. <laughs> the guy's doing great shows. Yeah. He, he had a fucking hysterical show last night. Those expensive bits are... <laughs> funny as shit. And really? he hasn't been doing that kind of funny shit this whole time he's been out there. He is... You know, what else is really weird is that you know he and the NBC people that he's been fighting with have known each other for 17 years. It seems like there would have been a better way for everybody to have handled this. <laughs> because, you know, now Dick Ebersol is just like ripping Conan like he's been a nightmare. You kept him for 17 fucking years. Yeah, and he seemed like he was a pretty decent, you know, guy. You never heard of, all oh, that Conan showing up for work drunk. But now <laughs> they act like Conan destroyed, just destroy NBC. Thank God cooler heads prevailed. All right, we'll talk about that and a lot more, including uh, this is the last playoff weekend before uh, Monday. I will be announcing uh, the Super Bowl. So you'll be able to hear that Monday morning. Take a break. We're right back. Run a fest. Welcome to. Prescription. It's more cowbell. 
weekend we got to try to talk to earl today i know he's going to be a nervous wreck about the jets last week he watched with his dad which is just adorable he and his dad still believing still believing it's the saddest thing when you want to get that uh when the two of you want to get out there and get that uh win together because it's hard to believe for anybody who isn't some kind of jets fan to think that they have a single shot at winning the Super Bowl. And yet, when you talk to people in Blowhard, uh, Earl's the same way, um, Jay Moore, Opie, I'd like to see him win for those guys. That's a long time to care about a team. So we'll try to get Earl on the uh, phone today. Uh, Pepper Hicks is going to be giving us our uh, our picks for the weekend. Fez, you won 0-4 during your week. Yes. Dave, you did uh, a little better at 2-2. Two and two. But two and two, I'm still losing money. I know. I had a great Saturday at two and zero. Oh, it terrible, just a nightmare Sunday at zero oh and two. I need Pepper Hicks's picks to go undefeated, two and zero. Oh. I need him to seventy two Dolphins this fucker for me, because I'm uh, I'm tired of him bringing me information. I want him to give me information, which I never even got where he was going with that <laughs> in Wall Street. Um, I think he just meant spy. Want people for me. Yeah, I know, but it still didn't make sense. It's, you're still getting the information. It was Oliver Stonian. Uh, we got Earl hooked up and ready to go. Let's see what kind of mood he's in. Uh, Earl? Buddies. Earl, I know you're also talking about doing a photography book on the Jets, or as you called them, the Black Jets. <laughs> uh, you'll just be focusing on people like Boozler and all, but uh, where are you in terms of stress and tension? Thinking about the game this weekend. Um, I'm a disaster. I'm a big ball of knots. I cannot wait till this game starts. See, your problem is this. You're used to it being the Yankees where you feel like, well, we've got the team. We're going to win this. You're really now pulling for an underdog. I haven't felt this way since like 95, 96 with the Yankees where you were like, oh, my God, this this is happening again. This is <laughs> there's a real excitement. This is for real. You're in uncharted territory here. You have your little Yankee traditions that you do, but Jets never went to the uh, uh, got this far in your lifetime. 
Oh yeah, uh, didn't the Vinny <laughs> Testaverde years they went to ninety oh, nine they went uh, they That's went right. to the championship game and then I know they made the uh, playoffs about five six years ago. Um, they won that playoff game with Mangenius as well. Yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. Yeah. When they when their quarterback and was, and they went to the playoffs with Herm. Yeah, uh, yeah, Herm Edwards, uh, and then I think the following year he was fired. Yeah. Uh, so let's just do this. What would you pick to score the game to be this weekend, in your opinion, Earl? Uh, I will go thirty-one twenty-four. Wow! <laughs> really. You, your offense is going to score 31 points. I got I got the defense putting up 17 points, and I got the <laughs> offense putting up 14. Wait, defenses can't kick field goals, silly. What well, defenses cause his turnovers and get points. That's what he's turnovers. fucking talking about. He didn't... Uh, Dave, please. This is Earl's time <laughs> in the sun. Yeah, but that's... Earl, by the way, how's the, uh, uh, how's the book moving? Book is uh, doing very well. The hits are approaching. Um, they're approaching ten thousand hits. Well, people who care about you, they love you. Um, and I was even talking with Hard Rock Johnny. He's very excited about doing something with you. Very. Yeah, excited. I mean the, the 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 show and support on Twitter has. Uh, I I almost I was almost moved to tears. How much people have really been supportive. And why can't uh, runfez.net be that way like the old days? Why is it? I, I was overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, I miss runfez.net, and I miss our old friend, Mikey Boy, who is still on Twitter, but he's not a big tweeter. He's not up there with Dave. Uh, Earl, is this going to happen for the Jets? Can you guarantee it here today? <laughs> Everything seems to be pointing that way. I will say yes. The Jets are going to the Super Bowl. Uh, there you go. There you have it. Wow. By the way, good news, too. Lily bought a book. <laughs> ah, thanks, Lily. And she wants you to sign it. I always wanted to fuck you, but I know I can't because of skin color. <laughs> That's really a personalized signing. Well, why wouldn't it be? What else is he doing all day? He's got the time. He could write another book to people. Um, but by the way, uh, Mikey Boy did Twitter yesterday that he made coffee without putting the pot in the machine. Uh, and then it poured all over the floor. So that's good stuff. Can't do that, though. All right, Earl, good luck this weekend. Uh, 31-14 yeah, romp, and just uh, the great quarterback of the Colts throwing pick after pick after pick. Manning having a meltdown is what we're going I, for here. I, I think he will throw two picks, and, I th and don't, don't think that the running backs will fumble. I mean, and there might be a fumble after the catch. Maybe... The battle cry is to stop the yak, <laughs> yards after the catch. <laughs> All right, stop the yak, and then also, of course, uh, it looks like Peyton Manning's going to shit himself. <laughs> That's part of the prediction. All right, well, good you luck to you. Thanks, uh, buddies. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. We never know what that wow. spells, uh, although there is a new Colts song, and I'm uh, surprised that the Colts even feel the need. Earl, Do you know that? I didn't even know there was I, a new Colts song. I, I want you to take a listen. God, give us the new Colts song. Colts fans, Colts fans, what do you say? The Jets' luckiness is over on Sunday. Mark Sanchez is certainly 
No Joe Namath, for he prefers cock to pussy. That is why he is famous. Colts fans, Colts fans, what do you say? Rex Ryan will have to eat cult thoughts on Sunday. Rex Ryan's ass is so gosh darn big. Rex Ryan isn't overrated. Head coaching pig. Colts fans, Colts fans, what do you say? Peyton Manning will shit fuck the Jets. On Sunday, Peyton Manning will show what a real quarterback is. They'll have to rename the Jets the New York Jizz. Colts fans, Colts fans, what do you say? The Jets' uniforms are shitty and their QB looks gay. Dave, you know how you're always telling us about being underpaid? Yes. You're not. Oh. Uh, Earl? <laughs> yes. You You heard that song and it's bastardizing the song that you made famous yes the the chargers i heard the Chargers song the Bengals song so if any luck we'll, we'll have a viking slash saint song too and when we go to the super bowl well prince is the, the only one allowed doing a viking song right now it's only prince all right thanks Earl. best of luck to you james in maryland you're on a fez Hey, Ronnie, I just wanted to see what do you think would be a better game this weekend, the Vikings or the Saints or the Colts and the Jets? And did you and Fez have a bet on the game? And is Fez going to watch football this weekend? And um, up and all right, wow, that's quite a bit. Uh, I, I, I think if you're any kind of a football fan, the Vikings-Saints game is the one that's lining up to be the exciting game. Let's see what happens. Having said that, if the Jets do any of these things that blow hard, and, uh, of course, they're all talking about, that's the only game that you'll ever remember because that'll be a gigantic upset. The country won't be able to believe it. You can't get any bigger this year than what the Colts are. They won every game that they set out to win. Right. The only games that they lost is the ones they say, we don't care whether we win or lose. The disappointment for me is they, they, they didn't run the table. Of course, they'd be playing somebody else besides the Jets, but that doesn't have anything to do with it. The point is this. If you beat the Colts, you're beating the best team in the AFC. The Super Bowl will then be madness. Just absolute madness. It's it's a wonderful weekend. It really is. Fez doesn't agree with you. He's not crazy about football this year. No, it's like, all right, I'll stick around another Sunday. I hope I'm not sitting there watching two blowouts again because the whole playoff thing is a domino effect for me to head to the Super Bowl where I get more and more excited for the Super Bowl and I get the Super Bowl fever. All right, but that doesn't make sense to me. It's almost like if there was a prize fight and you're like, I don't care because those two guys knocked out the last five guys that they faced. You know, as yeah. you start to get closer, you want to hope that you have great teams. Yeah. And I think Colts against the Vikings or the Saints is a great Super Bowl. The Jets against the Vikings or the Saints is going to be one of those remarkable Super Bowls of can this Cinderella team do it? Face it, the Giants years that the, the, they beat the uh, Pats, the best thing about that is that the Giants weren't supposed to be in the Super Bowl at all. And as the years go by, that may be remembered as the greatest fucking upset 
in sports history. Well, we don't, you know, yes, yeah, we don't know team. how it's going to be remembered, right? As the years go by, so um, I mean, n- have- none of these games really have much to do with whether you're hyped about the Super Bowl. If you get two great teams playing on all cylinders. Fuck yeah. And this this almost feels like, you know, March Madness in a way. And, you know, March Madness, people love it because it's exciting. But the first two rounds often have just a shitload of blowouts. Now we're in the Final Four in the pros. And similar to March Madness, you got three great teams and one un- under, un- under, you know, one Cinderella team. That's the way it is. And that's why everyone loves that college basketball tournament. I think it's very similar to this year's professional football playoff. Now, uh, tonight is going to be the big... Um Haiti telethon too, uh, and it's playing on a bunch of different stations. So it's not just one. Yeah, it's every uh, net broadcast network. Plus, you got HBO. I think Showtime's involved. The MTV networks. Wow, this is gigantic. Yeah, it's everywhere. It's CNN, every channel. I'm gonna watch ABC, it. ABC, uh, yeah. CBS, NBC. Uh, George Clooney doing what he does best pulls this country together. Um, I mean, when you just think of how much bigger this is than a Jerry Lewis telethon (laughs) and the money that he brings in on the Love Network, here every network is pulling together. And if you haven't uh, given yet, maybe if someone sings, you'll give. Maybe if Jay-Z gives you a lovely tune. Do we know who the big stars are tonight? Uh, Madonna has been added. Let's hope she does Ray Light. I mean, (laughs) if there's anything... Uh, she's going to do Ray Light from Madonna. So you also got Justin Timberlake. All right, uh, Justin Timberlake, my prayer here, he brings sexy back to Haiti. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, Bono and the Edge will be performing. What's with the other two guys? Why are the, Why did the other two guys Haiti? Larry Mullen's getting drunk somewhere. Stevie Wonder's on the bill. Uh, Stevie Wonder's going to be there, who I believe... Thinks he's Haitian. Coldplay. Coldplay. I hope they do. I will fix you. Not a dry eye in the house. They're showing pictures of Haiti singing, I will fix you. People will be fighting to get to the phones. <laughs> Bruce Springsteen will be there tonight. Bruce Springsteen, I hope he does that redhead fucking song and, and, oh, and brings up eating beef. That would be awesome. Yeah. Rihanna's on there. Not sure, but I hope she gets punched. I don't know any of her songs. Is she Umbrella? What, what does she do? It's always a risk with her. She she did Umbrella. She's crunk and stuff. Uh, Umbrella's a big hit, though. Yeah. Let's do that, honey. Come out in an Umbrella. An Umbrella of love, call it. Okay. The country darling, Taylor Swift. Taylor nice. Swift is the... I, I hope they take her mic away so she doesn't get to finish her song. And I hope it's done by the great Kanye West, who at first they said couldn't be in it, and now they're saying if he wants to, he can. Oh, good. But he can't say that Obama hates black people <laughs> like he ruined the New Orleans thing, and he can't take anyone's mic away. There's also the Dave uh, Dave Matthews is going to be there. Kid Rock. What's his name? Kid Rock. I hope he gets back together with Joe C tonight. <laughs> if he just starts out, it's just him and goes like this. This one is for Joe C. Forget about it. Not a dry eye in the plant. Who else does? Uh, Mary J. Blige. Love her. And uh, and Beyonce and Shakira. Ooh, yeah. Now we're talking. Uh, Beyonce, um, I want her to come out and do uh, that whole crazy for you thing. That's just crazy one, love. Yeah, there's just like a couple of good lines and then it gets terrible, but there's a couple of good lines. 
That's all fucking happened. And Shakira, I hope that she comes clean and admits that her hips have lied. To me, that would be the uh, perfect song. They should have a hip off, those two girls, where they're just hipping at each other because they are both the queens of hips. Just go like this. How George Clooney comes out. How much for ass to ass for these two? <laughs> if we raise $10 million in two minutes, like, dresses come up, panties come down, dollars, George. and they just rub ass to ass. <laughs> I'd be on my phone texting right now. You ought to do that anyway. People are fucking really in a lot of trouble down there. Is that my phone? <laughs> Someone's calling me, sorry. Someone just sent who's, you $10. Who's calling? I'm re really curious. Uh, no, it was my wife. You know, radio show time. <laughs> Do me a favor and check. It sounds like an emergency. Uh, she, she, she was driving, so I'm not sure if she listens, but I will check. She knows what time the show's on. Just please check since you have an ill son. I don't know why I'm the only one nervous about his kid. If It'll work out. You if, yeah, but here's the deal, Hicks. His wife knows when he works. So she calls during the show. That sounds like an emergency. And he's and I just watch him over there and he fucking sidebars her so he doesn't have to take the call. It's one dense man, Dave McDonald. He really doesn't Hopefully all she's doing is calling and saying, uh, make sure you plug the shorty awards. And I'm more than willing to do that. Everything okay, Dave? Yes. Pocket dial. Ah, pants call. Yeah. And pants call, pocket dial, not a butt call that uh, our intern Sky Too Hottie said, Dave, did you just butt call me? And as soon as he said that, I go, never contact me again. Fez uh, butt called me two days ago. Here, let me play it. This is okay. from my machine. Okay. Remember you woke yourself up that way? <laughs> It happened one time, but I did not butt call you and fart into the phone. Oh, Fez is watching a game at my house. He falls asleep in the comfortable chair. I think they know. I hear this fucking uh, huge rip. His ass just rips in half. I watch this t-shirt was fluttering for about another 34 seconds. <laughs> like Melman <Roman> Road Trace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just wrong. It was a mistake. I had a lot to eat at your well, house before I fell asleep. Hopefully it was a mistake. You didn't purposely think, let me ruin that the comfortable chair. The comfortable chair got thrown out. Wait, well, you should be eating. You shouldn't be double up, up and on beans the way he probably was that Cheese. day. Cheese and beans. Fez, what did you eat for dinner last night? Chili. Uh, last night I had Chinese food. Oh. Ew. What did you eat for breakfast today? Um, I had a hot dog. <laughs> all right. I don't fart out all my <laughs> meals, Ron Bennington. You don't have to use my full name. What about drinks? No, I don't fart out my drinks. Like some Sprite? If you drink some Sprite? I piss them out. <laughs> That's gross, too. Uh, so, uh, and now we end up the Haitian relief thing, and then we say goodbye to uh, Conan. This may be a stay home and drink night for you, Dave. It certainly is. I had no plans on going out. I really don't go out anymore anyway. But I, I had zero plans to go out. This is going to be a great night of TV. All right. Can I help you a little bit tonight with your Twittios? Sure. Why don't you do the only Twittio telethon? Oh, yeah. I know what you're thinking. That sounds a little weird. Perfect. You're going for weirdo. I am. Okay. Definitely. 
and I won't even start twiddling until I've had at least six cocktails in me. And let me just say this. At as a least. guy who's enjoyed the Jerry Lewis telethons my whole life, nothing better than the tears. Make sure. Right. I won't do it too early, though. No, last one. You're tearing up. <laughs> okay. Um, does Jerry Lewis marathon's a national thing? Or is yes. that... Oh, I just, uh, okay. Because it always seemed he, like he was on a local New York channel, but I didn't know if the rest of the country got it. Well, if you watch carefully, you would see that he was in Las Vegas. Then they throw it to each locals. You have a local as part of the Love Network. So you were getting the New York stars. Then you go back to Vegas. You get the... He did the show out of Vegas because the biggest stars in the world are in Las Vegas. Right. And he was able to get himself a Buddy Rich, a um, Charlie Callis to stop by. Look at this. I'm playing a trumpet. Um, here is Anthony in Jersey. You're on Fez. Yeah, hey, buddy. Hey, Ron, uh, for the Super Bowl, we're going to have a nice little in-studio final uh, cast party again? Uh, that is not the plan. Uh, because we could do that when we were with XM, but Sirius has the NFL deal, and uh, the NFL not happy when anybody fools around with their product. So we tried to do one last year. Charlie Callis uh, put it best. Uh, this is weird. This must be a, a butt call because I'm getting a call from Fez's ass. Mm, that's Fez. I'll let him know. He's not in right now. I'll let him know when he gets back. That's not my ass. He's very busy. You're disgusting. Fez. He's on the go. I did not butt call anyone. It's not my phone. It's not my ass. Those aren't my farts. I'd love to have you come over and watch the Super Bowl this year, Fez. Yeah? But I do need you to stand out on the fire escape and just put your head in, and then I'm going to lower the window down and then just stuff bar towels on either side. <laughs> So nothing happens. It's going to be freezing out there, and I'll look like one of those hunting lodge trophies. Maybe Ron can borrow some old World War II gas masks that Anthony owns. That that could save you. I got a, a really strange mass email uh, sent to me that claims that Master Poe is in Florida, and then the rest of it looks like it's written by a three-year-old. But apparently, who's ever writing this email... I think they're trying to save Poe from evil. Uh-oh. No, none of you guys got that? No, not no. yet. I figured I must be on some black t-shirt mass emailing list. <laughs> Answer for two grand? No, it's not the... It's that. <laughs> but I think the point is um, we're going to fight back against the pest if I'm to under understand this. Well, I don't want Master Poe to come to evil. Yeah, but uh, if I could say this, if there is some kind of a mass email list, I'd like to name Rana Fez to be taken off that list, <laughs> or I will report you as spam. <laughs> Block it. I got news for you. Green eggs and spam if I need to. Oh, by the way, here's Fez's predictions for the game. <laughs> So that should be a close one. Wow. <laughs> that Jets, should win. Saints. That should be a close one. Uh, now, tonight, Kanan O'Brien's uh, last night. Have you been watching, Dave? Yeah, I've watched it. I never watched this prick the whole time. Neither. I mean, And no. now I'm watching every night going, I am going to miss this son of a bitch. No reason for it. 
no reason for me to give him sudden loyalty except for to see him, uh, you know, shitting on the floor on his way out, <laughs> which I would like to say to Conan, climb up on that desk, shit on it, walk out. <laughs> Best ending ever. <laughs> He can get away with it at this point. He really should because once he leaves tonight, he's not allowed to badmouth anymore. Right. But as of tonight, and I do have a friend on the Canaan staff uh, that I've, kn I've known from New York. And um, I shouldn't even fucking give it away and let you guys be surprised with it. But my inside word tells me that a lot of writers there are big fans of ONAs uh, from the uh, whole thing. That he's going out with the term your your mom's box tonight. Oh wow! What? That's what they're saying. So make sure you watch Canaan. I will. Last thing he says, your mom's box. Your mom's box. Wow! Right before twelve thirty-five. And then I think he goes. <laughs> I don't know though. Uh, it should be exciting though. Uh, who are the big guests tonight? Uh, Tom Hanks and Will Ferrell. Here's what's interesting. And Neil Young. Why can't these three pricks help Haiti? What are you fucking doing saying goodbye to Conan when there's people in Haiti w without a fucking pot to piss in? And they're all like, Conan, I'm sorry to hear all the problems. Um, this is one from 1970. <laughs> well, I dreamed I saw the knights in armor. Is he going to sit on uh, Conan's desk? Like, uh, what's her face? Singing to Johnny? Don't even bring up Bette Midler. Bette Midler. The, great, the, the great Bette Midler <laughs> with the greatest TV moment ever. Neil Young just sitting there strumming. It's quarter to three. <laughs> no one in the place but Conan and me. <laughs> now, that week after Conan's off and before the Olympics start, there at 11.35, NBC is running Tonight Show with Conan O'Brien reruns. Instead of Jay Leno reruns. It seems like if Conan was the person that you are letting go and you don't want him talking about NBC and you wouldn't keep showing his face for five more nights. I'm sitting here wondering what if I what I would do if I were them. If anything, I would have made Conan go right up to the Olympics uh -huh. because everybody's watching these shows. Everybody's watching a guy you know, who knows he's fired and knows he's getting a fat bunch of money, fuck around. It's really good TV. And if I found out they've re-signed Conan, I'd be done. I'm going to be totally <laughs> honest about that. But it's only this part of it that's really, really fun for me. Uh, and it's kind of cool. It'll show you, though, how fucked up pressure you put on yourself. If he probably would have been acting like this from the get-go, he... He'd probably be, you know, fucking fine right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's definitely... I think he he was trying to be, you know, a company guy and be like, everything's no, no. cool at NBC. Don't fucking be a company guy. Uh, you know? Um, John, in Buffalo, you're on my face. Ron, a real spy report here. Uh, I heard the last thing that Conan was supposed to say was... <laughs> he stole that from Fez. Fucking Fez wrote that joke in my living room. Conan can have that one. I wish he would have got the one that was out of my living room then. I remember Larry Sanders' last musical guest was Clint Black. Um, 
I will say this, that the, the person who sent me the mass email is not the enemy. Their friends, fans, and students are so tired of this nonsense and hope that one day it'll all end. Please leave me out of it. Is that too much to ask? Just leave me out. Yeah, these these viruses are just everywhere. Oh, that's not a virus. Kind of is. Gets in your computer. Ever since Earl, that email from Black Earl that uh, supposedly had him stuck in London needing two thousand dollars, I have I get so many of those type of emails well, now. Well, that's because you're a fucking soft touch. You gave him two thousand dollars. <laughs> I was the only one. It turns out. <laughs> I remember when you uh, you gave that to. Uh, to, um, to Earl, when you actually signed the check, is this. That's not my signature, and you know it. Yes, yours is louder. It's not PhD. And even wetter. Even wetter. Oh. I didn't even get a free picture book from Earl in exchange for my $2,000. By the way, and this is a guarantee from Brazilian Julie... Uh, when Conan says your mom's box after tonight's show, she will piss her panties and enjoy and then show that on Twitter. Jeez. So, that's great. There's too much to watch tonight. I know. Well, they can all be done. You've got uh, Dave's telethon. Right. That's being done. Is it a simulcast with the other one or are you just off doing your own thing? Um, I'm going to be watching the uh, thing and then doing my own as well. Yeah. I got a quick prediction here. Dave raises more money than George Clooney. That's the goal. Fez, how much would you give to Dave's telethon? Uh, by the way, George Clooney gave a million dollars. Brad Pitt gave a million dollars. Fez, how much can I put you down for? I'll give Dave $25. Come on, seriously. Haiti, you see what those kids are doing? Yes, it's a mess there. And how much are you giving? I'll give I'll give Dave thirty dollars. Fezzy, stop fucking around. I'm trying to, to get the listeners part of this. All right, one hundred dollars for Dave's telethon. You want to just give nothing then? That's not enough. No, that's a that's a nice donation. It's not nice. We're not talking about nice. We're talking about generous. What is that going to fucking buy? They got to rebuild the entire country. They have nothing to eat, nothing to drink, nowhere to live. I haven't looked into this charity yet. You don't even have to give it to Fez, uh, to Dave. You can give it overall, and he'll just say that part of it's from him. No, what are you seriously giving? Well, I guess I could give like three hundred dollars. Not good enough. Come on, Fezzy. Come on. That is plenty. That's not. How much would you give if they were white? You fucking racist. Good point. Couple grand. <gasps> See, that really pisses me off because I don't do jokes at Haitian expense. Jesus. So you're going to give a couple grand? Is that where you're going with this? No, I said I would give $300. Well, I don't know how it works. Do I tweet my pledge? Um, just keep it for yourself. Don't bother those people. I want six figures. So the minimum is $100,000. I want to see what kind of entertainment you have on your telethon tonight. Oh, trust me. I know what Clooney's bringing. Trust me. I, I, here's, here's, what, here's one thing I'll say. Bono will be on my telethon. Wow. Gigantican. 
weird. Yeah. That's weird enough for a shorty right there. That's weird. And I'll say this. Um, Coldplay will be on my telethon as well. By the way, make sure if you want to, uh, the big unmasked on Monday. And if you talk to Liam, everything's definitely going down 5 o'clock on Monday. He checked three times. They said three times. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Then I'll make the announcement who it is. Yes. The lovely Tracy Allman doing the uh, unmasked on Friday. Uh, are you going to help? Uh, where are we doing it? In the, what do you call it, room? 2B. What? Oh, I don't like 2B. I know, but someone else is. This is short notice. Someone else has a fishbowl. All right. Uh, we'll be doing it out of 2B. Make sure you get the room all set up. Make it look short perfect. 5 o'clock on Monday. So uh, make sure if you're uh, a fan of this, Unmasked with Tracy Ullman. One hour, you sit down in a very, very intimate setting. I'm sure everybody will have a chance to go like this. Hi, Tracy. Uh, but there you, you have it on Monday. Should be a lot of fun. Should be a lot of fun. Brilliant comedian. And also, as you know, she was had the only video she ever did. She had Paul McCartney in it. Who knows? He's got a place in the art. Actually, only a couple blocks from here. <laughs> did I ever tell you that? He's no. right around the corner. No. Yeah, I see him all the time. Holy He's shit. He's got a townhouse right around the corner. <laughs> I have to really I can't believe I never him. brought that up to you. No. I really have to start stalking him. Well, it's almost like you're not a New Yorker. Well, because I'm you're not. you're I'm here. In New Jersey. Yeah. But you know nothing about the city. Um, well, the other day uh, Dave said live. to me, "How come there's so many yellow cars here?" <laughs> well, those are cabs. Well, they're all the same color. It's confusing. You know, your friend gets in one, and next thing you know, you have no idea where he went. You're all Jersey. 202 Friends Twitter. Uh, go and sign up. Only a couple of tickets, obviously. It's a very intimate setting to one hour uh, unmasked with Tracy Ullman. You also have my NFL picks. You can lock this shit in and make some money for yourself this fucking weekend. I love your attitude, bro. I all love right? how you're coming. All right. It'll be a Vikings 35, Saints 24. Whoa! It's going to be a blowout. And then Upset. Colts... 38, Jets 21. Good. All right, Vikings 35. and the Colts Super Bowl. Yep. That sounds like an old school one. Favre Manning. Good. Favre Manning. Wow. What a showdown that, that would be. That would be it. That would be whoever would win that would say, I'm in the top three. Now, I would never go against uh, Chris Stanley. Having a hard time. Imagine the Saints losing this at home. They're just so damn explosive. And there is a thing about a magical ride, and the Saints are on it. The Vikings are also on one. <laughs> we'll see. E everybody now is pr on pretty much a magical ride <laughs> by the time you get to this point. Uh, we got anything else to plug here, Fez? One week from tonight at Bar 9, it's the world's greatest U2 tribute band to you performing at Bar 9. One week from tonight, Bar 9 on 9th Avenue in Manhattan. Uh, Davey Mack will be on his Twitter tonight. Um, doing the telethon, and I'll be watching you. Okay, thank you for your support. But with the sound up, so I can hear the other. Oh, telethon. don't do that. Give you full attention? Please. All right. This sounds weird. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, Shouty? Yeah. Weird, Shouty. Weird Dave. That's my new name. All right. See you guys back here on Monday where I will make the announcement of the Super Bowl teams. Exclusively.
on the Ron and Fez show. An exclusive announcement of the Super Bowl teams. Thanks, Mick Taylor. Go pick up, get the Yaya's CD. It's being re-released, maybe for a hundredth time. And that's the end of my show.